get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. ESPN. Nothing going on, I guess, guys. Michelle, nothing? No, Randy, nothing at all. Nothing major. <laughs> nothing that I've been waiting for for over a decade. Nothing at all. <laughs> nothing at all. Michelle is wearing her uh, I-L-L-I-N-I shirt today. That's right. This is vintage, actually. This is officially vintage. This is a T-shirt that I got during that 2004-2005 season when I was a freshman at Illinois from the student section, the Orange Crush, and I get rid of everything, you guys, everything. I purge at least once a year, and I've kept this shirt for 16 years in hopes that one day I would feel this way about a basketball team from Illinois again, and I'm wearing it today. Where's the Mizzou fight song? They're tomorrow, Dan. Oh. Well, you said it was a weekend well, and, celebration. And we don't have any <laughs> M-I-Z-Z-O-U alums in the room. That's true. That is true. But I'm cheering for the Tigers. Okay. So am I. All oh, right. oh, we have Emily oh, yeah. in the room. Yeah, oh, yeah. Emily's here. That didn't count. Yeah. Nice job, yeah. Randy. Yeah. I, I was thinking that we all went to Lindawood for some reason. Black and gold. Mm. You know? Well, that's a pretty good guess. Most yeah. media stars. Everybody else does. Out of St. Louis went to Lindawood. But so. yeah, M-I-Z-Z-O-U. But, uh, and tonight, I am pulling for the Illini, too. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I, I am, too. Glad to have you on board. I will scoot over and let anyone in on this bandwagon, but you better get in before 12.15 today because I don't want to hear from you once they're in the Final Four. I don't want to hear from you right before the National Championship game. Oh, good luck. I was rooting for them all along. No, I know who's who's on the bandwagon and who's not, Okay. Illinois. Um, I'm on the bandwagon. Dan is on. Il- yeah. Illinois Firmly. and Drexel tonight. Meanwhile, overnight, if you missed it because you went to sleep when the uh, Michigan State Spartans had an 11 point halftime lead over UCLA, uh, Michigan State didn't win. 86 <laughs> <laughs> 80 UCLA in overtime. It's a good game. I watched it. Um, I thought uh, Michigan State was going to make a little run in this tournament because they're Michigan State of and course. it's Tom Izzo and they played in the best conference in basketball and. They, they finished up on a high note. They and beat I thought, Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought, okay, this is typical Tom Izzo, but didn't happen. Halftime, Izzo gets into a shouting match with Gabe Brown, one of his players, and nothing was the same for the Spartans after that. It was kind of a weird transformation of that team. I wonder if there's going to be more made of that as we go throughout the day. Now, it was kind of late at night, and, uh, you know, I... I I, I just think our society has changed with coaches and how you deal with players. They'll say this is Michigan State basketball. That's how Tom Izzo coaches. But as we all know, guys, you can't grab players. You can't grab them by the jersey. You can't. And he, he did. He did do that. Can't do that. 
Right. Whether you like it or not, it just it's just the optics aren't good. I think you're right, but the fact that it did happen so late at night and today starts the first round of the yeah. tournament, I think yeah. from a timing perspective that it might not get the pub it normally Point. would, but yeah. I think you're right. And any other time, if this happened at 7 p.m. or if this was a regular season game and there wasn't the tournament right around the corner, I think a lot more would be made of it. I agree. Or yeah, if, it's a good just, point. if it wasn't a play-in, if it happened in prime time tonight right. yes. in the field of 64. Other games last night, Texas Southern knocks off Mount St. Mary's 60 to 52. So Texas Southern will play in the re- field of 64. An old school Arch Madness matchup. Drake is able to uh, come back and hold off Wichita State 53 to 52. And it was Norfolk State. That's N O R F O L K. Norfolk State beating Appalachian State. Appalachian State 54 53. You think the guys in the Valley have a little smile this morning seeing Drake beat uh, Wichita State? Absolutely. <laughs> I would think so. That is their first NCAA win for Drake in 50 years. I wonder if Darren DeVries. Uh, stays at Drake. I mean, he's a guy I, I watched him play in the Valley, called many of his games. He's been a coach in the Valley for a long time, and then you go take little old Drake to the NCAA tournament. He's done a great job, really good job, so congratulations to him. Meanwhile, last night, the Cardinals were able to win their game 7-5 to five over the Marlins. First inning, Paul Goldschmidt on base, Paul DeYoung at the plate. This is a pretty darn good view here. Oh, yeah. And it's beautiful, but there is something about the sights and the sounds. Lifted out to deep left field, and Paul DeYoung has his first of the spring. It's a two-run homer, and the Cardinals shortstop puts the Cardinals on the board here in the first. A relief, I'm sure, for the shortstop. His first of the spring, 2-0 St. Louis. It's got to be a relief, and he had a conversation with Mike Schilt a couple of days ago. Mike said, hey, you can't win a batting title in Grapefruit League play, so don't worry about it. We're seeing some adjustments, and he made some adjustments at the plate in terms of technically what he was doing physically, and we're starting to see that. It began on the backfields against Jack Flaherty. He had a couple of hits um, two nights ago, and then last night a couple of hits, including that home run, which got out in a hurry, man. It was uh, it was crushed, so it's good to see. That's good advice from Mike Schilt. I wonder at what point players start to feel anxiety if it hasn't come together for them in spring training. We, we know it's practice. We know that time is there for them to get ready for the regular season, and then it clearly doesn't count. But I wonder if you're having a rough spring, even if you're an established guy like Paul DeYoung, at what point do you start to get nervous about it? I think it depends, again, on how established you are so if you're Matt Carpenter and you went into this camp saying I'm fighting for a spot I'm going to show them that I can play above Tommy Edmond or I deserve more playing time and then you look up and you know after last night they only have nine games left and we are under the two-week mark from opening day wow and he's hitting whatever he's hitting he's like what one or two for 24 or something like that there's some pressure there on him and if you're now another guy like a John Nagowski, let's say, for an example, wherever you bat, they're really paying attention, you know, and you say, OK, I've had success. I'm pushing the envelope to make this team where others that are like me, let's say Amundo Sosa, Justin Williams, they're not they're not putting up numbers. I'm putting up numbers. You may want to rethink what I'm doing because Nagowski also changed his body, too. So he's made some adjustments to make them think about him being on this roster. So I, I do think it's a little bit of who you are, how established you are, and where your place is on the team. Cardinals down 4-3 in the eighth inning. And one guy who had the name and is making an impression for himself is Nolan Gorman. I remember saying, you know, big lefty, but it really didn't mean anything. We're just telling people. <laughs> Gorman out to right center, and that ball 
is down. One run in. Two runs in. Here comes a third. Nolan Gorman clears the bases. Bases loaded double. And Gorman drives in three. And the Redbirds are on top. And when he hits the ball, he hits the ball hard. Big time. Exit velocity for Nolan Gorman is going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. I, I'm so intrigued at how the Cardinals use him in the minor leagues. I don't know what you guys think. And I, I kind of posed this question. Uh, I think it was off the air, maybe even on the air with, with Brad Thompson. I think we all feel that Nolan Arenado is going to be here for a while, even though that he could opt out and and leave St. Louis after one year. I don't think by all accounts that that is going to happen. So let's just read the tea leaves here. Where does that leave Nolan Gorman? Mm -hmm. So he's got to play second base or he's got to play the outfield. I have, in the games I've been doing, I've only primarily seen him play third base. And I, my guess is that they're just trying to ease him into these games at second base, but come games that are meaningful at the minor league season, I I think he's got to play second base. I mean, maybe you, you, you give him a little time at third just to keep his skills sharp over there. But if he's going to be a big leaguer, and let's just say that there is a DH after this year. So there's that, a DH after this year. Okay, so that could happen. <laughs> but if he's going to play the field, it's going to have to be in the outfield or at second base. So I want to start seeing him play those positions because what I'm seeing at the plate is a guy that is getting better and better and better and maybe even helps his club at some point this year. Who knows? And this is a guy who obviously didn't play last year. He was in the developmental camp in, camp in Springfield. So it's pretty cool for him just to be back on a field. Uh, obviously, it's it's super exciting. Um, spring training game or not, you know we're down a couple runs in the in the you know second last eighth inning, and just being able to be in that situation and you know help try to help the team win and get that winning run across the, the plate. It doesn't matter what type of game it's in. You're you're always trying to to win, or at least for me, I'm trying to win. Um, and you're just up there competing, and that's uh, that's something I love about this game. And uh, I'm just I'm just super excited to get back out there during a regular season and and make sure you know have that happen in, in a regular season that'd be fun. Meanwhile, good news on the pitching front for the Cardinals: KK and Miles Michaelis both making moves to get back on the team and in the rotation. Mike Schilt after the game last night. No, KK to its side yesterday, and all reports were really favorable. Came out well. Uh, Jamie Poe, one of our bullpen catchers, called it and said it looked good. Ball was moving well. Uh, probably had a little more intensity than we thought may happen. Next step for him um, in a couple days, maybe a um, simulated game or a live batting practice, some version of that. Um, as far as miles go, he threw catch, and today's a, um, a scheduled off day from catch. Um, but all indicated reports, including miles, was that the first day of catch was, was positive. So good positive news on KK and Michaelis. Other good news yesterday from the Blues who play at San Jose tonight. And we'll have the game for you. 7 o'clock pregame, 8 o'clock puck, puck drop with Chris Kerber and Joy Vitale. But Colton Pareko showed up in practice yesterday. Oh, it's just, it's a very easy skate, you know. I really can't make any comment on that. It's, I'm good, it's good to see him out there skating. You know, he's just, it's just public skating right now. Hey, the guy has a bad back, and he flew four hours to the West Coast. For a public skate. Yeah. Right. So you can determine that he's at least feeling good enough or progressing enough to make the trip and to be out there on the ice, which is really, I think, at this point, since we don't know the details or the severity of the injury, all we can ask for is that we're seeing progress. Yeah. 
And one other quick note for you two that I want you to weigh in on, and I think it's really interesting, and I'll be interested. I think this is the the wave of the future. The NFL finished all their TV contracts yesterday, and ABC slash ESPN is going to get a couple of Super Bowls. CBS and Fox and NBC and ESPN retain their rights, except that Amazon Video, Amazon Prime, is going to be the exclusive home, the exclusive home, a streaming service is going to be the exclusive home of Thursday Night Football. I think it's very smart. How many people now are cutting their cords? How many people now have smart TVs or they have Apple TV? They're, we're streaming anyway. So for the NFL to recognize that that's where everything is trending and Amazon is taking over the world, has taken over the world anyway, mm-hmm. it just makes sense for those two entities to partner up in this way. Totally agree. I mean, Randy, you have kids that are very tech savvy. My kids are getting there. And when I have conversations about people about how they take in the baseball games um, and they say, well, my kids, if they watch baseball and that's in the big if, because a lot of times kids aren't watching baseball, unfortunately, they're just taking it in on the highlights. You know, they're like wow. getting the, the streaming and the highlights. Yep. You know what I mean? So they're, they're getting it on their phone. They're not sitting down and watching a game. And they are they are so tech savvy on the streaming aspect of how they take in sports. That's how the young consumer is taking this thing in. So why not just dip your toe in the waters on a Thursday night, do that, get people accustomed to doing it, keep your traditional way of doing it on the weekends, free TV. And you know what? All of a sudden, the next time that this, this comes and goes around, Yep, the Annie again. And my daughter's sport of choice, well, she's a huge Baltimore Ravens fan, but her sport of choice is basketball, and particularly the New New York Nets, Brooklyn Nets. So she watches the Nets on the big screen. We have a setup in the basement where we have a playroom and then a big opening, and then next to it is the theater room. And you can open up the curtains, and you can watch uh, two big screen TVs. So Patrick will sit there with two computers and a an iPad. He'll have a baseball game on in the theater room where he can watch and he'll be playing his Madden or uh, baseball video game and then watching other games. He'll literally have four screens open. One, three, five screens open at one time watching. But he's when he's watching his San Francisco Giants, it's almost inevitably on a big screen. Is it really? Yeah. They just they just say that the consumer is taking in so many just short clip highlights That's of baseball. Especially younger people. The younger they are, the shorter the attention span and that's what they would prefer to do whether it's after the game or in the morning watch two minutes on their phone or on an iPad and that's it. That's it's incredible. I also think when you look at all of the different networks that are involved in this, one thing pops out to me and it's that if you have live NFL games on your network, whether it's streaming, traditional cable, whatever, you're relevant. That's all people... The NFL is still king. The number one show for 10 years. The number one primetime show on TV for 10 years has been NBC Sunday Night Football. For the last 20 years, the number one show on TV has been uh, America's Game on Fox. Uh, Of the 25 top-rated shows during the NFL season, this past NFL season, 2020, 20 of them, 20 of the top 25 shows on TV were NFL games. The NFL has done such an amazing job of their television presentation of their sport. Mm-hmm. Now, I think if you look at hockey and basketball, to an extent, certainly baseball, definitely baseball, it is regionalized. Now, we get huge ratings with 
St. Louis Cardinals baseball and other cities are getting massive ratings on their local baseball team, but it's regional. And Mm -hmm. it's the reason why the NFL is America's pastime is because it's a national sport. It's once a week, but the greater point, their presentation on television is fantastic. And it's built for television. You literally could put a football game in a studio. You don't need fans, as we saw last year. You can have exciting games, and not having fans in the stands doesn't make a difference. We see it in hockey where it makes a stand uh, a difference. We see it in baseball where it makes a difference where you don't have fans. Football, you've got that confined space. You never have to show fans. All you have to do is have sound. After watching what do we have, 1,400, 1,500 in these spring training games? It just reminded me of how much the fans are missed in baseball. Like, it, yeah, it's a, even with just 1,500 fans, oh it is gosh. better. When yeah. when we played the highlights of you yeah. calling the game, it made me smile to hear the fans. Yeah. It, I just couldn't help it to hear people cheering for Paul DeYoung. You feel differently when you watch the game yep. and you hear the crowd interact. And I think to Randy's point, too, when the ball is hit and play and you're trying to present the game on television, so you got these different camera angles where, as opposed to the NFL, yes, there's different camera angles. Don't get me wrong. And you're going to see the stands. But you can really shoot that thing tight mm-hmm. to where you're not seeing as much of an empty stadium to where in baseball, ball goes up in the air and you're following the ball. You're going to see a lot of the empty stadium. Yeah. Ball goes into the seats for a home run. It hits the bleachers. Like, yeah, yeah. I remember last year, Carpenter hits a grand slam or hit a home run at Wrigley or something. And it rattled. It literally rattled in the bleachers at Wrigley. Yeah. And you could hear it going, doom, 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 you know, like back and forth. No, not Fowler. Somebody went up and... Oh, that was the first home yeah. run of Max Schrock, and he Schrock, hit it to yeah. right field at oh, Wrigley. Yeah, and right. you, got, you saw Dexter Fowler up in the seats and right get the ball. Yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> Coming up on 101 ESPN, Peak or Pit, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Peak or Pit, coming your way on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Time for Peaker Pit here on 101 ESPN. Character Smallman McLaughlin, great to have you with us. Text us 65780. If I didn't tell you earlier, and you should know what time it is because you do have a phone or you're driving, right? So you, you got a little clock on your dashboard there on your radio. <laughs> it's 722, though. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I still haven't changed my microwave or my oven. It so, screws me up every time. I haven't either. It's terrible. <laughs> and every time I go in the kitchen, I think, I need to change that, yes. and then I don't then do, don't do it. it. I don't neither. do it. It's very, very lazy on our parts. So, well, uh, I keep thinking I need to get my cell phone because I want to make sure it hits right when, exactly. when yeah, I do it change, and I don't ever have my cell phone when I go into the kitchen. So I'm like, oh, next time I'll grab it and come in, and then I inevitably forget. Same thing. Same thing. <laughs> terrible. So my peak of the week was... Watching the uh, and experiencing the unbridled joy when uh, Danny Mac saw his carrot cake yesterday. That, oh, that was thank my, you. That was my peak of the week. That's my peak. I just wrote it down. Just, my, but I got to watch you, you the joy that you experienced. Oh, I well here I'm going to go right to it. My I have it written down. My peak is my birthday uh, coffee. Thank you. You're welcome. My carrot cake. And then my conversation with all you and Izzy, my pit is I ate too much of said carrot cake. (laughs) It didn't settle well. And we can just leave it at that, but it was worth it. I've been there. Did you do this, Dan? Because when Randy made me a carrot cake for my birthday, I definitely overserved myself with carrot cake. But in my mind, I kept saying, well, it has carrots in it. You're right. That's how you justify it. It's really, really super healthy. Yeah. There is no chance. I told, 
uh, Brad Thompson before the game yesterday. He said, hey, I saw that Randy got you a carrot cake. Michelle <laughs> brought you the coffee. I said, it was awesome. I had a great birthday morning. He said, yeah. He goes, how about the uh, the backup in your veins right now, in your bloodstream? <laughs> he goes, he loves those birthdays. He goes, I do think he's silently trying to kill us all with that. It was so good. Well, so you know, good. Be happy. We so have thank uh, you. Joey Vitale on the show today. Ask Joey what he thinks of Randy's carrot cake. Oh, really? Just put have, it there. I'm just going to lay it out there. I don't even want to tell you anything more because we need to let Joey tell you what he thinks Joey's of the had it? Cake. Oh, yeah. Really? We, we worked the deal because Joey's a fantastic maker. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we worked the carrot cake for sourdough deal. Awesome. His, his sourdough is spectacular. Awesome. My pit of the week is an easy one. Uh, just you know, throw away the Blues five-game losing streak. Yeah. I didn't okay. expect the Blues to lose five in a row. That's mine, Makes too. Makes sense. That's mine, too. The yeah. Blues losing streak. And it was raining all week, so it was just kind of a bummer on the sports scene and a bummer when you left work. Yeah. You know, not great. Your, your peak is pretty good, though. I would say my peak is great. Illinois. What a what a shock. <laughs> Illinois, number one seed. I'm so excited for the game today, though. But I also am taking it game by game. I'm taking it game by game. I While I do think this team is capable of winning a national championship game, they've got to get out of this game today first and, and move on to the next round. I'm very concerned about you. I honestly am. Me too. Well, I told Randy this <laughs> at, what, the beginning of the basketball season, that I never want to 100% emotionally invest in Oh, you're 100%. Basketball. You're oh, there. I'm, I'm so far gone, it, yeah, is, it, okay. it is ridiculous. At least you admitted but it. But I told okay. him, I go, this is a Final Four team, but I'm nervous to emotionally go there because the fall is so hard. When you go in 100% emotionally on a team and they lose, the fall is really hard. And I, of course, always want the Blues and Cardinals to win because I want St. Louis to win. But it's different when it's your yeah. job. It's, it's different. But the way that I feel about my school and the way that I feel specifically about Illinois basketball is completely different. Yeah. I, I am a 100% fan, and it's just great to see them get back to this spot, to, to be relevant again. And they are as relevant as they have been in right. years. And go Tigers tomorrow night, go Billikens tomorrow as well. That's right. They flew in the NIT against Mississippi State. Emily, what do you have for us on the text line? And by the way, go go Tigers for you. Go Tigers, M-I-Z. C-O-U. From the 314 peak, today is day 75 of 75 hard. All right. Congratulations. Great job. And they said thanks for the inspiration, Smalls. Of course. Yeah, make you a carrot cake. <laughs> Play for exactly. the tie. Well, that day 76 is aggressive. I, it is It ruins aggressive. all 75. I, I started and ended the day with some gooey butter cake. There we'll you put go. it that way. All right. We bookended it with some gooey butter cake. They said their pit was the blue struggles. Yeah. Yeah. From the 618, their peak, Mizzou and Illinois returned to relevance, making the tournament. And their pit, SLU missing out due to a 35-day pause. Yeah, that was rough. The SLU one is tough. Uh, SLU, to me, was a tournament team. They were 7-1. and one. They got hit so hard with COVID. What was it, 33, 34 days or whatever they were out? Yeah, they, they, were still... they played one game in six weeks. Ridiculous. And I don't think the A-10 really helped them out either. No. Um, I, I look at how the Valley did what they did here locally. They played 90 conference games. Impressive. It, it really is. I mean, they got in their conference schedule, and the A-10 was very, I don't know if the, the right word is lethargic in trying to reschedule games, but that would have helped them. I don't know if it would have helped them the way that they were playing because they weren't playing great, but it would have helped them get more games on their schedule to at least make the opportunity to build their resume. Mm-hmm. The other thing that happened for them, too, when they were in the conference tournament slew, they just were non-competitive in that final game, and I, I think that cost them. If it was a, a tight game, maybe we're, we're talking about them being in the tourney and doing some damage, but it, it didn't happen. No. 
From the 636 peak, I passed my human resources licensing exam. Hey. All right. Congrats. Congrats. Good for you. Pitt, I hit a triple crown. My deep freeze, microwave, and coffee maker all broke this week. Ooh. Freeze, microwave, and that is a bad combo. That's a, that's a bad triple crown. That's like the, uh, the is that the golden sombrero? No, golden sombrero is four. Just a sombrero. Four strikeouts. Yes. Right? And yeah. the platinum sombrero is five strikeouts. Right. Five. Right. Um, what do you think the worst is out of those three? Probably the coffee maker breaking, right? Because you use that every day. I would say so. Microwave. Microwave for you. Well, you're yeah. not a coffee guy. But you can also, well, I suppose you need the coffee maker to make it before you heat it up in the microwave. But if you have yeah. the microwave that's <laughs> exactly. broken, you still have the oven at least. That's true. You could still go get coffee too. That's, that's kind of where point, I'm going. Emily. Good point, Emily. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Emily. Yeah. I mean, Emily's a thinker, man. She she comes up with solutions. She's solutions oriented. Yeah. This one. But if you got alligator arms, you're not going to go yeah. down to the art, you know, to the. Good you point. can't get in the pocket to actually pay for said coffee. True. That's a part. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. No problem. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Hey, sign up to play in this year's Bracket Madness Pick'em Challenge brought to you by the Sportsbook at Argosy Casino Alton and Bud Light. Fill out your turning bracket at 101ESPN.com. It's free to enter, and this year's top score will take home a $250 Fanatics gift card. Must be 21-plus and a resident of Missouri or Illinois. The first round starts today. Get signed up to play in Bracket Madness now at 101ESPN.com. Next up, the Honda Classic going on down near where the Cardinals are training. We're going to talk to Jay Delsing about that and more next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Jay Delsing joins us now as he does every Friday morning on 101 ESPN. And of course, you can hear Jay golf with Jay Delsing on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Jay Delsing, great to have you with us. How you doing? Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Everything's good. Okay, I got to ask you this question because this is it's a salient question for you because you've always been a guy that that worked hard and uh, great body uh, muscle you're, you're toned and muscle bound yesterday <laughs> it's hard for you to get out isn't it yeah <laughs> uh, uh, i like where you're going though randy keep going you watch this? sebastian capellan uh, hit a ball into the water he's about uh, a couple of feet into the water he takes off one of his shoes and his shirt to hit out of the water. My question, and by the way, he had a pretty decent shot literally out of the water and onto the green. Was there or is there a scenario in which on a golf course, Jay Delsing would remove his shirt? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, everybody would have to look the other way, but if I could save a shot, Randy? <laughs> absolutely. The, the, the problem is I hit it in the water you know, fairly often, and it usually was more towards the middle, and those are tough to play. I still haven't figured out how to hold my breath long enough to get down there and get it out. Anything to get the shot, though, right, Jay? <laughs> that's right. Hey, Michelle, who's number one again? Oh, that's who's right. Know who's ranked number one? Jay, that's right. Brackets? Number one seed, Illinois. That's right. All right on. But Gonzaga's number one overall, but that's okay. No big deal. No big deal. Congratulations on the comeback of your Bruins last night, Jay. Thank you. I I wish I could say I have anything to do with UCLA. I root for them, but um, I am down in Louisville right now. My youngest daughter is playing in a little national volleyball thing, so I am in the Expo Center logging some hours this weekend, guys. 
That's amazing. Well, I don't know if you saw this, Jay, but I find this fascinating. So Justin Thomas, at, you know, a great performance at TPC Sawgrass. He has released his metrics from his Whoop device, which shows his heart rate on different uh, holes and the way that it spiked up. And I was reading about this last night, and the data really showed that right before he would tee off, his pre-swing routine was able to calm him down to help him focus. So I was wondering what your your routine was and if there's any tips that you could give anyone about something that they should incorporate into their routine. Well, first of all, Michelle, the whoop device, <laughs> we didn't have anything like that, you know. <laughs> um, but but what we did is we all did have pre, pre-shot routines. Everybody on tour has a pre-shot routine. And for the folks that are listening out there, men and women, the, the reason why is when you get in these pressure situations, you want to be able to plug into something that takes your mind away from the situation and goes right into this routine that becomes almost second nature. And calming yourself down is, I mean, we didn't have these devices to tell us that our hearts were racing. All we had to do is, you know, have a little bit of self-awareness and knew that we couldn't breathe and our chest was pounding like mad, you know. So what we do to breathing, I know this sounds really crazy and elementary, but breathing is a huge deal. And when you watch guys getting ready to hit putts, the last thing they do is take deep breaths. I can remember watching Michael Jordan at free throw lines just silky and smooth as can be, but he was really working on his breathing. And um, my routine was the same, Michelle, and I was, I'm a fast player, so I, I would um, get my setup. I'd take two looks, and then I'd pull the trigger, and then, you know, I'd go find it wherever the hell it went. And uh, it, it's really interesting that they've got these sort of devices and that the data and things are, are like that. But anybody that's ever played for anything meaningful – and had a lot on the line knows that your heart rate is just completely out of bounds. You know, speaking of uh, a pre-shot routine or a pre-drive routine, how about Bryson DeChambeau in the final round of the Players' Championship, and he, he basically tops one. I, I couldn't believe it. And, <laughs> and it, it's, it, it gave every duffer out there hope. They said, man, I've done that. Wait a minute. He just did. I couldn't believe what I was watching, Jay. Danny, if you stick around and watch any sort of sports long enough, you see the craziest things. How about, I don't know, was it Mark Mulder or uh, who is the other, Barry Zito, who used to every once in a while on his windup throw the ball towards second base, where on the top of his windup he'd let go of the ball, and and you're like, what in the hell just happened? But it happens all the time. I played with Greg Norman, who's the world number one and the best driver of the ball I've ever seen. And he tees the ball up and does this big macho pre-shot routine and swings and hits it 40 yards right, barely gets off the tee. You know, and I grew up in North County, and I'm thinking, you know, we have some rules about that. That's not cross the ladies' tee, and there's a lot of things that come into play for shots when you hit it like that, you know. But I didn't say that to him. Um, <laughs> Bryson DeChambeau hits that shot, Danny. And then did you see what Lee Westwood did right he after that? right. He hit a 40-yard slice. I mean, it is a hard game sometimes. It is. It is. Jay Delsing is with us on 101 ESPN. Jay, in regards to the uh, uh, teeing off and the pre, pre-shot pre routine, are you an advocate of having your driver hover above the ground before the swing, or do you put the driver head on the ground? You know, Danny, I mean, uh, uh, Randy, I'll rest it just barely touching the ground, but for – so the driver is a completely different animal, and this can really help folks as well because the the other thing about the ball when you're playing golf, it's touching the ground, and so with your irons, 
you are always making a downward motion, hitting the ball first, and then you take a divot. I've been asked that probably a million times. How do I take a divot? And the divot always occurs after the ball. So we hit down on the ball, little bit of a uh, little bit of turf, and then finish your backswing. But for the driver, it's so hard for certain people to hit because it's not touching the ground. And if you hit down on the driver, you will hit it everywhere. Mostly not good. You need to hit. You need to have the ball more towards the front of your swing. The modern day tour player, you guys, almost has the ball outside of their left foot, which would which was unheard of when we played with wooden drivers and things like that. But that is because Rory McIlroy is actually the model on the on the. Um, uh, gosh, I'm having a senior moment with all the machines that use um, the judge spin spin rates and everything. The track man. Mm-hmm. He is the model because he hits up at his ball at a 15-degree level. And that's why he hits the ball so high and so far with very little spin on it. When we were playing, you guys, and these machines first came out, there were only two players on tour that hit up on the ball, and Rory was one of them. All the rest of us hit down on it because we didn't really understand what the hell we were doing with our drivers. And so it was a completely new animal. Amazing. Hey, what's coming up on the show on Sunday? I've got John Wood on the show. So John Wood had caddied uh, on the PGA Tour for 20 years. He caddied for Mark Alcavecchia, Hunter Mahon, uh, Matt Kutcher. And now he is walking the fairways and doing the analyst for NBC Sports Golf Team. And really a cool guy. Loves baseball, loves music. Um, Just talked about life on tour. Just talked about some of the crazy things that happen, you know, as a caddy and, and how difficult it is, you know, to, to be a caddy around some of us crazy golfers. By the way, if you're ever going to miss a cut as a Cardinal fan on the PGA Tour, is this the weekend to miss a cut so you can hit a couple of games? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, this week, Jack and Barbara Nichols are the hosts of uh, uh, this Honda event, and it's typically one of the strongest fields that we have all year. But with the re schedule, the players happened last week, which is one of our largest purses, and then next week, is the Dell Match Play, which is a World Golf Championship, another huge purse. So the Honda took a real hit this week, you guys, with their field. But still, Jack and Barbara are going to be raising a boatload of money for their children's hospital in the West Palm Beach area. And somebody's going to come out of there a really worthy champion. And that's a hard golf course, those last four holes. They make me, they still make me nervous, guys. I'll be <laughs> sitting in a, in a chair somewhere watching it on my phone. Beautiful. Hey, Jay, we'll uh, look forward to Sunday. Good luck to your daughter in Louisville, by the way, with the volleyball. Yeah, thanks. And good luck to uh, my daughter helping to pry me out of the chair after three days of sitting in this thing. Man, I don't know how I'm going to be able to get up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, brother. Take care. We'll talk soon. Take care, guys. See you later. That's the great Jay Delsing joining us on 101 ESPN. Always get a kick out of him. He's great. He's one of my favorites. And we do have to get out and play with him. We've uh, Last year, we had the covid situation uh he had had a hip or a knee replacement before that and couldn't get out so yeah at some point we just got to get out and play I, I talked to him about playing in the ascension charity classic and he uh as a guy that carried the bags out at norwood so mm-hmm. he was a caddy and that's his home course and he's going to play at it this year and he said i said you know what what's your mindset going into this thing and he said i never played a tournament that i didn't think i wouldn't win i loved it that's his a great attitude yeah he said i'm going there to win you know, and they may have Phil Mickelson here in town. Uh, Bernard Langer is playing great on that. Freddie Couples, all these people coming through town. And he's like, hey, 
If I'm signed up to play, I'm there to win, Love and it. I'm looking forward to it. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. We've got Take It or Leave It coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All right, uh, next hour we've got the My Goodness Meter, and I hope I don't interfere with the My Goodness Meter here, but there is news to report. Randy and I'll I were... Take it or leave it. Oh. Uh, I've got a different one, though, than, oh, okay. that, than that one. I was going to say, because Randy texted me last night, Dan, with a very, very good piece of news for the My Goodness Meter. Yeah, looking forward to yeah. it. So we're well aware My of Drake's goodness. affinity for ESPN's Doris Burke, right? Yes, he loves him some Doris Burke. But now, who doesn't, though? Who doesn't? Absolutely. Everybody loves Doris. Now the Jasmine brand reports that Drake could never understand what Kim saw in Kanye. He was saying for years how he wasn't the right guy for Kim and it would all end in tears. He was surprised it took so long to realize and started messaging her the moment it became clear that a divorce between Kim and Kanye was inevitable. Drake is ready to see Kim whenever she says the word, basically, and he's confident that it will happen fairly soon. Take it or leave it, Drake and Kim is a dream pairing. I am going to leave it. Oh. I'm I mean take it because I know Randy you really want it. I know that this I is a couple year shipping. But um it would be great I think for the TMZs of the world and Dan's favorite outlet people.com. They Absolutely. would certainly love it. Um but I'm going to leave it because I think she now she's becoming a lawyer. She's going to get into the political space. She's going to be Jackie O or she's oh. going to be mm. the president and need some arm candy. But right. I think she's going arm outside candy. of the rap game. Well, as locked in as I am on Many of these things that happen socially, uh, I'm going to take it, Randy. Uh, I'm with you. I think we need to we need yes. to get this thing going and um, power couple. Yes, you, you got to have a good power couple. Like I, I'm so into a Rod and uh, J Lo. Obviously, yes. you know they were on, off, now back on. There, there was a kiss uh, apparently yesterday. Yes, mm-hmm. you know that made me go to bed and sleep. Well, last night, realizing that this could find a happier ending. It's the best birthday gift you could have asked for, It really was. It really was. Now, Randy, did you know that in Drake's, one of Drake's new songs, there's lyrics that are a nod to Kim K, so people think that they may... Mm. The streets streets have been talking, Uh. Randy, that maybe this is something that has already gone down or had gone down prior. So, Mm. we don't know, but there is speculation because Drake did rap about this in his latest song. That just happened. Wow. 314 said, would Drake and Kim K be called Drim or Cake? <laughs> I kind of like Cake with a K, you know, because too, yeah. everything in the Kardashian yeah. starts with a K. Yeah. And it's good just, question. It rolls off the tongue, Cake. Yeah. What's J-Lo and A-Rod? J-Rod? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> J-Rod. Yeah. I think that is, right? Yeah. yeah. Or A-Lo. Because we already had J-Rod here, right? Johnny Rodriguez. John Rodriguez. Oh, yeah, that's Johnny, right. Johnny Lode. That's Tony called him. That's right. I don't think A-Lo lands. No, it doesn't as really. just J-Rod. Yeah, no. you can do things with A-Lo. I mean, yeah, you could. Coming up at uh, <laughs> 8.15, Joey Vitale. Yeah. Sean Farnham at 9. Yeah, good. ESPN analyst. That. Yeah. Okay, take it or leave it. You never thought you'd see a scenario in which UCLA and Michigan State would be playing a play-in game in the NCAA tournament. That's a 100% take. 
Never, ever. I, I mean, would take that for sure. There are maybe a dozen blue blood programs in college basketball, and those are two of them. Right. To think that they were playing a play-in game is yeah. hilarious. I mean, you've got Drake, Carolina, or Duke, Drake. Um, Drake is on the mind. But uh, <laughs> uh, Duke, Carolina, uh, Michigan State. Uh, You're just uh, always thinking mid-major or a lesser team. You're never to be thinking. in that game, right. Or if you get one of the big teams, yep. they're taking on a mid-major. Right. But, yeah, you're figuring that those teams are top four seeds in the tournament. Yeah, for sure. Any hey, normal year. You look back historically. I know Indiana is down, but you look at them as a blue blood. You look at Kentucky as a blue blood. You, uh, th- there are, like I said, maybe a dozen blue blood schools. And those are two of them. And they wind up in a play-in game against each other. That's remarkable. Take it or leave it. In the NCAA tournament, we will see fewer upsets this year than ever before because of the oddity and the way this is set up because of COVID-19. I think I'm going to take that. I I think that I'm going to stick with the theory that talent is winning out during COVID. It seems like that's happened in every other COVID-era championship we've seen. But I'm going to leave it because... The more that I think about this, I wonder how this bubble environment is going to impact these players. And I wonder if there's teams that are really good and have been really good, if they might feel a little bit more relaxed and or maybe get a little antsy or frustrated. That's my question. I think we might see some more upsets than we think. I I do wonder about that. I wonder if they get antsy, your, your lack of a better term, you're locked in a bubble. Does that affect your play? Uh, and I, I wonder if if it's more the high pace, fast paced teams that will have success in this because it takes teams longer to get it going mm-hmm. because they've been in their rooms and they've really not been doing anything except going to practice, going to the room, going to practice, go to the room, don't leave the hotel. Playing video games. Yeah, you're <laughs> sitting around. And if it's the higher pace teams that come out, and set the tone in their games that play up-tempo games if they're the ones that would have the upsets or the ones that have success. Mm -hmm. I do wonder if that would be the case. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Emily, what do you have for us? From the 314, take it or leave it, four teams seated 12 or higher are still in the tournament by the end of the weekend. I'll take that. Four teams 12 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. I think that's a reasonable expectation. Four teams. Let's see. I have... 12 or higher. Okay, I have one. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave it too. I'm going to leave it too, based on strictly my own bracket. I've got UCSB and Ohio playing against each other. That's two right there. I have Eastern Washington advancing. I have Moorhead advancing. But I think that might be it. I need to do uh, do a new bracket during the break. How many do you have so far? I've got I only about, have one. I've got about eight different brackets out there. I like and it. And they're all different. I like it. Do not sleep on Iona because it's Rick Pitino. Rick Good call. So, uh, but I'm, I'm going to take it even though it probably means I'm going to be wrong about some games. But I'm going to take it because I, I could definitely. That's when upsets happen is after the first two rounds. From the 636, take it or leave it. Regardless of whether Illinois wins the championship or not, this season is the start of a dynasty in the Big Ten and maybe even college basketball. 
I am taking it. I think that Illinois, <laughs> but they they are built really well for the future. Even when Io and Kofi leave, they have strong talent that is there and that's coming up. I'm talking about you, Andre Curbelo, who I think is going to be really special. And I just hope that Brad Underwood stays around long enough to have Illinois continue to be a power in the Big Ten. Because they are right anywhere. Now. Hopefully. I'm going to leave that. Dynasties are tough. You're not going to have it a dynasty. You have a good team. Dynasties I, are tough. I just want them to be a program to be reckoned with. And I think they will be. Is it safe to say, is Duke a dynasty over the last 30 years? I would say. Depends on how you define dynasty. Yeah. As much as anything in college basketball, yes. Yeah, it's, it's certainly not the UCLA dynasty where they won 10 in a row. Right. But I think in the current environment, mm-hmm. you could say that the number of times they've been to the Final Four and the number of championships they've won, it's the only possibility for a dynasty in the last 30 years. From the 314, take it or leave it, Mizzou will beat Oklahoma. I'm going to take, take that. I have them advancing. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. There you go. I'm Oklahoma's missing their second leading score. He is out. And uh, I, it's kind of a war of attrition with these two teams because Oklahoma's dropped five of six. I think Mizzou's kind of limped into this. They, they've not played well here down the stretch. The whole key, in my opinion, in, when I watch Mizzou, is Jeremiah Tillman. And if Jeremiah Tillman shows up and he plays to his level, they win the game. And they won the game when Mizzou decided to put Jeremiah Tillman on character and Smallman. That's right. The game was over then. It's a good I mean, young man. We saw the way that David Perron has been playing yep. since he started doing a weekly hit with character and Smallman. And I hope that Jeremiah Tillman has the same luck that we pass on to him. From the 217, take it or leave it, Gonzaga does not go undefeated if they're in the Big Ten. I'll take that. I'll take, take the, that. I'll take that. The Big Ten has had some great competition this year. They have played a very good schedule, Gonzaga, especially prior, obviously, prior to their conference schedule. But I, I got to wonder a little bit of what did what did those teams look like in November and December, these great teams, mm-hmm. as opposed this year specifically, as opposed to now when you get the four to five months under your belt and you have – one and dones, or you have young players that weren't in the system over the summer or in the fall to get it going, and now they finally got it going. A lot of these teams got better, really good teams got better with the young players because they finally got it acclimated to Division One basketball and their coach and everything that goes yeah. along with it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it's a little, could be a little bit misleading for Gonzaga. Don't get me wrong, they're awesome, but... I, I just think that that schedule can be potentially a little misleading. All right, let's get one more. From the 314, take it or leave it, Nolan Gorman will be with the big club before May 1st. Leave it. I'm going to leave that too, but how about September 1st? Is he is he with the club before September 1st? I was going to say, what, what's the if it's not May, what's the, num- or the date on the calendar? Where are you going to play him? It's a great question. Where are you going to play him? And do you want to start his clock in September? No, I, I think if you, if he's not if you, to me, if you're bringing him up, he's playing. So if there's no DH, can't play there. He's not going to play second base. I'm going to I'm going to say that Tommy Edmond is rolling. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go right. in from now until September. Let's just say one of the outfielders or all the outfielders are playing well enough to be in the lineup. Doesn't have to be great, but they're playing at a level that keeps him in the lineup. You're not going to take Arenado's spot. So where are you going to play him? He's not. I, to me, you don't bring him up just to sit and start his clock. And expanded rosters only go to 28 players now in right. September, right? So if you're going to expand your roster, you're going to add pitchers. Correct. 
So unless he's going to get four at bat tonight, there's really no reason to do that. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. We had the first four last night in college basketball. We'll tell you about that and who they have to play next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good to have you with us on Carriker and Smallman with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. It's 8.06. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And last night we had the first four in the NCAA tournament. And Drake from the St. Louis-based Missouri Valley Conference is able to pull off a victory over Wichita State. 53-52 was the final. And this was a weird game, guys, because it was 21-20 at halftime. And then... Wichita State builds a 10-point lead, and you figure, okay, 21-20 at halftime. There's no way that Drake is going to be able to overcome a 10-point deficit, but they do, and they wind up getting a three-pointer from Dexter Dennis with nine seconds left to win the game, 53-52. Congratulations to the Bulldogs, who win an NCAA tournament game for the first time in 50 years to the day. 50 years to the day. Yeah. Meant to be. Definitely. So, And Wichita State takes it on the chin after losing. Uh, or after leaving the Missouri Valley Conference. So and moral missing uh, their coach, too. Yeah. Former coach, Greg, Greg Marshall. Marshall. Yeah. He's gone. Drake now has, as an 11 seed, they'll take on USC, and that is in the West. And the winner of that would probably get KU. KU's got to take on Eastern Washington. KU is a three seed. So Drake has USC, and that is coming up tomorrow. And Evan Mobley. <laughs> so good, good luck. luck. Good luck. Yeah. Another tight game, Norfolk State over Appalachian State, 54 to 53. And Norfolk State will play Gonzaga next. Congratulations. Hey, but Norfolk State has had their tournament moment. We yeah, know. They have. We know. They could be dangerous. Ooh, they have. Yeah. That was the day that I came back, actually, after my bypass in 2012. First day back, we're doing the show at Buffalo Wild Wings. And I thought, oh, okay, easy win for Mizzou. No such luck. Ouch. Yeah. That's not the kind of thing you want to have after a bypass. That's what I'm saying. You don't want to have that after a bypass. (laughs) Palpitations. That's supposed to be an easy win. It was. Yeah, it wasn't. And then last night, Texas Southern with a win over Mount St. Mary's. The final there was 60 to 52. Texas Southern will play Michigan in their next game. Do you guys have have Michigan or uh, these number ones? Many of the number ones going down. I know your number one is not going down. I've got. And it's stupid, but it's just the way it played for me. I've got all the number ones making it to the final four. Do mm-hmm. you? Yep. See, I'm looking at my bracket. I just filled it out on 101ESPN.com, and everyone should go there and participate in our Bracket Madness Challenge. I'm wondering if I got too cute. I tend to do this where I overthink things. I only have one number one seed advancing to the final four. I've got two. Which ones? Oh. Sorry. No, that's okay. I'm just curious. Uh, I've got Michigan and Baylor. Michigan and Baylor. Okay. Well, here's the thing. You can make the the argument, aside from Illinois, that all the other ones are vulnerable. Baylor hasn't played the same since they had their COVID break, right? In late February. Gonzaga, uh, I don't think it's unfair to say their schedule, like Dan said, their their preseason schedule 
was dynamic. They did a great job of scheduling. But once you get into the the West Coast Conference, it's not that great. So no. what are they prepared for? Are, are they prepared to take on a Mizzou or an Oklahoma in round two? I think that's a, a fair question. And then the Fighting Illini, they're going to have their hands full. Loyola has played really well. Mm-hmm. Hey, they became giant killers a few years ago, right? They've done it. Tennessee, uh, Houston, the number two seed in that conference. And then Michigan, they got beat in the in the Big Ten tournament. They got beat down the stretch at home by the Illini. So I think you can find uh, you, you can find dents in the armor of all of the number one seeds. Michigan State beat Michigan. Illinois beat that beat the brakes off of them without yep. the National Player of the Year in Io DeSumo. I do think Michigan is vulnerable. I definitely think Baylor is vulnerable because of the COVID outbreak. And I just keep coming back to Gonzaga and the number one overall seed and the seed and the lack of success that the number one overall seed has had in the tournament. Plus you have the added undefeated pressure on you. And as you said, they they're they're past to the national championship. They're playing potentially some really tough teams. If there are people that finish in the top three of their NCAA tournament pool because they say, oh, well, what's their mascot? Okay, a bulldog would beat a tiger. Hmm. Not that a bulldog ever could, but people think that could happen. If people get into the top three of NCAA tournament pools that way, you can't be too cute. No. No. It's a guessing game at this point. Yeah. This year more than ever. But I do have three or four teams in the final four from the Big Ten. And I know that I'm here at the Homer, and I know I clearly have a Big Ten bias, but it was the toughest and deepest conference in college basketball this year. And I don't know if some of these other teams have been playing up to the level of competition that the Big Ten has. And maybe it is recency bias because I've been watching a lot of Big Ten basketball here recently, but I have Iowa, Ohio State, Illinois, and then Alabama rounding it out. Iowa. Michigan, Baylor, and Tennessee for my final four. I like them. I like them all. And I've got Baylor, Gonzaga, uh, uh, along with Michigan and the Fighting Atlantic. By the way, would a Badger, if you're going to go by nicknames, okay, a Badger versus a Raider, Let's uh, a Red Raider, by the way, who wins that battle? I'm going Raider. Yeah. But I don't like this game but because this my like school a... doesn't have a mascot, so I can't participate. Well, you got, you've got an Illini. You've got a whole state. I've got a block I, Randy. And I know vowels can be tricky. Is it I before E, <laughs> yeah. except after C? Where do I put it in there? There, there. People get it mixed up. Eyes can be scary at hey, times, you know? Even though you don't have a mascot technically, let's just say that a Native American is fighting a volunteer. Who wins? Red Raider could shoot a badger, by the way. That's right. That's true. But a honey badger just comes back to life. Can I give you guys a late take it or leave it? Yeah. Take it or leave it. If Illinois wins the national championship game this this season, they should not have a mascot. They should not have a new mascot. Because it's been this debate that's been raging for over 10 years now. And they still haven't landed on one. And I think if you win, if you win a championship without one, you don't need one. Well, I'm going to leave it because I'm thinking like a business person here. But then when they have done it. Any time since 2007? Yeah, but if if I win a national title or if I'm bringing in a mascot, I can really market that. I could sell a lot of stuff. But you're going to be selling a lot because you have a national champion. People that, are going to be buying eyes, ripping eye gear off the shelves. That's one year, though. I'm thinking long term with my potential mascot. So I'm, I'm not going for the instantaneous grab, which I'm going to make money off my mascot anyway. Okay. And the eye, which I'm with you with uh, on that. But if I get my mascot and it's a really good one and it's very popular and we do a whole, uh, you know, 
internet, uh, okay, here's five of them. You mm-hmm. vote on them. We've done the research, and the research is there, and it says, hey, if you do this, you'll be able to market it very, very well with bobbleheads and giveaways and shirts and hats and jerseys and all that kind of stuff. I'm there to make money. At the end of the day, yeah. At, now, yeah. at Stanford, they were the Indians and mm-hmm. changed their names, and they let the student body vote on the new name, and the name that won was Trees. But the administration said, no, we aren't going with trees. So a tree, a a dancing tree is literally their mascot. But the name of the team, their teams, is Cardinal, which is not Cardinals. It's the color Cardinal. And And the tree looks so friendly and great. It it does. By the way, I have uh, I've reached the conclusion in looking at this field of 68 that the one mascot that I don't want to deal with is a Crimson Tide. Because that'll just it's like a hurricane, right? It's, you, you don't want to deal with that. That probably wipes out all tigers, all lions, all badgers. And they have had nature. seriously yeah. bad weather again. Yeah. Again, it's hit the south. So my thoughts and prayers to those people yeah. that thoughts are dealing with it. That is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Joe Vitale is going to join us. We'll talk a little blues hockey and whatever is in Joey's fertile mind this morning. You never know what's going to come out of his mouth. It's next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We're talking blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by the Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org. We always enjoy speaking to Joey Vitale, who did the Blues game the other night at O.B. Clark's over on Brentwood, the (laughs) greatest hockey bar not only in America, but in the world. Confirmed. And Curbs and Joey were there for the Blues-Kings game. And Joey, first of all, good morning. Second of all, how was it? Hey, Randy, what's going on? I tell you what, it was really, really nice. I mean, uh, listen, we have a great setup at 17 Community Ice Center, uh, maybe one of the best setups in the league, radio and TV-wise. I mean, it's a brand-new facility, multiple screens, so I'm not knocking that at all. But these late West Coast games, guys, I mean, the 9 o'clock starts, it's midnight, 1 in the morning, we're wrapping up post-game, and it's a ghost town, empty, quiet building. To me, it's not it's not for me. I mean, I'm a guy that loves noise. I love people, and Obi Clarks did not disappoint. I was surprised. No, I shouldn't say surprised. I was it was great to see Jimmy and Joe out there, uh, the guys that run that, that awesome bar, to do it the responsible way they did to comply. I mean, it was uh, 50% capacity. People were getting up, going to the bathroom, going to the bar to get a drink, and they're, they're wearing their masks. So, to me, the energy was great. I ran into an old babysitter there. She looked like she was in her 50s. Um, I was walking back to the booth. She goes, hey, Joe, I used to wipe your butt. And I was thinking, like, oh, God, like, I, I know I've had a couple bad nights in college uh, around town. I, I don't remember specifically. But anyway, when I was a kid, she confirmed when I was a kid, she ended up changing my diaper. Her name was Leslie, sweet lady. You never know who you're going to run, run into at Obie Clark's. It was a wonderful night, and I'm looking forward to doing more. Joey, um, I also heard a rumor that there was some talk of shots out of a belly button. Can you confirm or deny? Yeah, see, that's a rumor. That's a rumor, Michelle. I, I don't know where people are getting this information from. No, listen, I did say that. I got a little ahead of myself right there. I was just excited. You know, St. Patty's Day, it brings out the excitement to me. Listen, I'm an Italian guy. Today Today is actually the greatest day in the entire calendar because it's St. Joseph's Day. 
right? This is where you make homemade bread and you give it to people. And St. Joseph is the patron saint of Italy. So this is the number one day. But number two, and close to my heart, is St. Patrick's Day, which was March 17th when we did the game in Ob Clark's. And I got a little excited. Uh, Curbs offered to buy a bucket of beers every time the Blues scored. I said, Curbs, tell you what, Tyler Bozak back in the lineup tonight. I did say that. I should not have said that. You know, Dan, you, you've been there before, Randy, Michelle. I mean, we've always, we all said things on the air we're not proud of. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that would have been one of them. That, there's no doubt about that. Hey, I, I got to ask you a question. Randy made me a carrot cake for my birthday yesterday, Joey. Oh, oh baby. And how, well, don't tell, go, tell me about it. Let's break this down. How good was it? Uh, it was awesome. He's made me a couple now. I, uh, I'm paying for it today because it was the only thing I ate on my birthday. I didn't eat anything else. I didn't have any other meal. All I ate was Randy's carrot cake because it's just, it is ridiculously good. It's sensational. And he told me before the show that you have, enjoyed that carrot cake uh where do you rank it i mean i know you're a food connoisseur where, where's the randy character carrot cake for you you want a ranking i'm gonna tell you a ranking i've already told you one thing i'm not proud of there's another thing i'm not proud of i smashed an entire carrot cake home on the way after a blues game two years ago <laughs> when wow. randy made me that cake you want to talk about not being proud of yourself i mean listen, <laughs> they, listen I we've all been that. there Listen, we've all been there, right? We've all not not feeling great about our lives. I usually go to Circle 7 out of Manchester. They have a cheeseburger that the bun's actually a donut. We've all been there, right? Here's a carrot cake sitting in front of me. He makes it in his Traeger smoker, which I would never, ever believe that you could bake a cake in a smoker. But it doesn't take on that much of a smoky flavor, just a little bit. The corners are my favorite. Uh, I don't know if he did this to you, Dan, but he actually went to the extra step and he actually piped the actual carrot like little tiny, cute little button carrots, like 10 of them in a nice straight row. Like he's like planting corn on top of the carrot cake with a fresh toasted walnut. I mean, does he, I knew, I knew he loved me, but I know he loved me that much. Well, apparently he doesn't love me that much. That was actually a Joan production. What and the hell, Randy? Unfortunately, <laughs> this is my, this is on me. I, put the walnuts on the carrot cake before she had the opportunity to put the carrots on the carrot cake. So this is totally on me. Oh, so you're just trying to you're just trying to butter up Vitali and I'm just, you know, oh, I got to work with Dan, so let's just make him a cake. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Joey. Thanks a lot. He loves you more than me. I, that's fine. I'm over it. Sorry. Sorry about that, guys. Sorry okay. about that. But yeah, no, it, it, it makes sense. I mean, Randy, you put, I can see you just uh, meticulously putting the walnuts on there. It's just unbelievable. This is why we love doing stuff like this because that's what we did as kids. You know, started with Play-Doh and then the sand, you know, the beach. But we love doing things with our hands, and I, I love that. I love that people as adults still can go back to that. It's a pretty cool, pretty special thing. Well, I would say this: if I go out to eat and if I get a dessert, which I don't normally do, I'll order. If they have carrot cake, I get carrot cake. Me too. I would say that Randy's carrot cake is better than any restaurant I've ever been to. Wow, thank you. It's that good. So, Agree. It's that good. I would put Randy's carrot cake as a top three dessert I've had all the time. I mean, I, I mean that sincerely. I mean, yeah. especially a corner piece. Oh, um, my birthday's not so, yeah, the corners are the best. They got the nice little crunch right at the yep. end. I need a little texture. Like, I need a little texture with my dessert. You know, you, look, you bite into a cheesecake, it's just, it's just mush and soft. Every now and then they do, they do a good job with a crumbly graham cracker crust, which I really appreciate. But I hate things when it's just, it's just one note of smoothness. you, you got to have some contrast there, guys. It's the balance. It's the peanut butter and jelly. It's the... It's the uh, Paul McCartney, John Lennon combination. You got, you got to have a little bit of balance in life. I, I do think it's kind of embarrassing, and I will admit it, but I ate all the four quarter pieces. <laughs> Dude, you're a savage. It was worth it. It was my birthday. I would, what the hell? It That's was right. worth it.
Hey, uh, you know what? I would never do that. I would I would eat the four corners and then I would destroy the middle because you know what to me, Dan, <laughs> that's just not integrity, bro. That's just no there's no integrity when you take four corners out of random characters' characters. I don't care what my kids if they're complaining or not. I, this is all about me, baby. So don't worry about them. <laughs> hey, uh Joey V, should we be concerned about this five game losing streak or are you confident that when the blues have their guys back that they'll find their game again? I think they'll find their groove, Randy. I think they're gonna find it tonight because they have a great great body coming back in the lineup in Jaden Schwartz. You know, I think this is, I said this since day one when I took over in the booth that uh, after playing against Schwartzy and watching Schwartzy, and, and I believe this above Bennington and O'Reilly, there's not a individual player on this team that can individually, I'm talking about, individually turn a game over like, like Jaden Schwartz can. I think he's got that power. He's got the energy. He's got the, uh, the wherewithal, the presence of mind. He's a great veteran in this league. He understands what his team needs in a moment. And he's a player that for two reasons you're going to love in the lineup tonight. Not only for what he is going to individually bring to the game, but more importantly, guys, uh, what Jaden Schwartz is going to do for everyone around him. He, he's just that personality, right? We've all been around people like that in our lives where you just, you're in the room with them and they don't even speak, and, and you just have a better feeling about yourself. You love where you're at. You love the energy they're giving off, that selfless energy that they're giving off, and that's what Jaden Schwartz really embodies, and that's why this team has really missed them so much. You know, we had a guy when I was in Pittsburgh back in 14 at the deadline, we got a guy named Douglas Murray. Randy, you probably remember yep. him. Uh, he was a defenseman, huge guy, massive head. I'm talking physically. His head was huge. You couldn't get around him when you played against him. He was probably a great golfer. Douglas Murray, <laughs> we got at the deadline. He comes in the locker room. I go, hey, Dougie, I'm Joey. Nice to meet you. He goes, oh, crankshaft. I go, what's that? He goes, crankshaft. I go, what's a crankshaft? He goes, that's my name. I go, oh, is that your nickname? He goes, yeah. And he just walks away. So I sit there. I'm like, nice guy. I kind of walk away, do my own business. We're kind of talking in the showers at lunch. He goes, why do they call him Crankshaft? And then James Neal, who knew him when he was around the San Jose area, he goes, wait to the first road trip. So we go to Fort Lauderdale about a week later to play the Panthers. We, we play the Panthers. We have two days before we play the Lightning. So we did what every responsible 35-year-old would do. We went down to Miami. We partied our brains off. Okay, so we're down to Miami, and we're partying down there. It's like 1 in the morning. We're kind of starting to get tired again. We just played the Panthers that night. And, of course, 1 a.m., we start, you know, kind of collecting the bills and getting ready to go. And someone's like, hey, where did where, Dougie go? Like, we haven't seen Murray. Where, where's he at? Like, is he lost? Hopefully he made it back okay, whatever. And all of a sudden, right as we're kind of paying the bills, he goes, boys, let's go. And he starts cranking his arm like he's milling a fire alarm. No joke. No joke at all. And then we're like, holy smokes, look at this guy. So the party just picked back up. That's why they call him the crankshaft. That is the reason they call him the crankshaft, because he always picks the party up. Why is this, why is this story important? Because that's what Jaden Schwartz does. I mean, he's going he's gonna to give you that life. He's going to give you that energy when things are kind of dying out, when you're on a five-game losing streak, when you have a huge road trip that you're facing right now, and you're in L.A., and you can't get out of the room, and you can barely go for walks, and you can't even eat meals together. It's kind of doom and gloom time, and the Blues are trying to get through it. Who do you bring in? You bring in a guy like Jaden Schwartz who's going to kind of give you that jump and give you that energy. All right, Joey, if Schwartz is crankshaft, what is Colton Pareko? Because the Blues have certainly been missing him, and it's great news to hear that he was skating this week. Colin Franklin would be the girl, the girl that got away, Michelle. I mean, we've all been there. You've probably been there with a man or a woman, whatever. But, you know, I mean, we all had someone in our lives that's gotten away from us. And right now, Colton's like, he's the guy you cry about every night. Like, why doesn't he love me? What? 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 Why does he want to be with me? I'm okay. Am I not okay? You bring your bestie over. You get a jug of Ben & Jerry's famous ice cream, the cookie dough, and you just dig into it. You're like, why doesn't he love me? I don't understand. That's where Colton Breco is right now for me, Michelle, because I miss him. I think this Blues team misses him. Uh, you know, his, his presence, 
Um, I think the defensive core has struggled a little bit, especially in front of their own end. They've got a couple of goals again for like the third or fourth game in a row where the Blues are just too soft in front of their own net. They're there. They're in the right position. But as far as getting underneath the stick and really defending hard, which Colton Frankel does so well, I think the Blues are missing that. But it certainly is great that he's kind of starting to make some strides in the right direction. They've got to be careful with this thing for the injury that he has. It can kind of be one of those kind of ticky-tacky ones where you're great for three weeks, and then you really kind of you take a step back. And he's a big guy, right? Colton's a huge man. I play with Marty Hansel uh, out in Arizona. He got traded there, and he hasn't played but maybe a handful of games in Dallas since he signed there as a free agent. Again, a very tall guy. When you talk about the long spine, these tall athletes, they kind of run into a little bit of these hiccup injuries, so you really got to be careful how you handle this thing. But I know that Ray Barilli and staff are going to do a fantastic job getting Colton ready when he's ready because this Blues team misses him. All right, before we let you go, St. Joseph, on St. Joseph Day, we know your favorite bread to bake, and I'm sure you will today, is sourdough. Is that your favorite bread to eat? Wow, that's a really, really great question, Randy. I love sourdough, but here's the thing. I eat it so much. I kind of look for a little bit. I look for a little bit of a variety. You know what? I, I, will, I will say one thing. Uh, my favorite bread probably you will get if you, you guys ever been to Disney World the Polynesian Resort down there I have I have not Dan you, remember, you know that bread they it's bring out right when you st- oh my god what is that thing it's yeah. like crack cocaine and I never had that but well, yeah, I could imagine <laughs> I could imagine you know what I mean but it's like this pineapple cinnamony swirly sweet dough bread that they just bring out and it's hot yep. and it's on a plate and then you got then you got the uh, the Aloha Parade with Mickey and Lilo and Stitch. And that's the best part about this breakfast, guys. And this is why I love this bread so much. Because as soon as you sit down, you start to devour this bread. And the parade actually takes your kids. This is genius. This is genius. Why don't more people do this? There's a parade in the restaurant so the parents can sit for five minutes, which feels like five hours, and they're enjoying their bread and coffee. Yep. That's all I want. That's all I want is just to enjoy some bread and coffee without being bugged and orange juice being spilling. And, Mommy, he stole my spoon. That's all I want. That was a great experience. It's the best. The five, the five minutes are – you get a five-minute break like that. First of all, a five-minute break is all you want anyway. But then when they mix in the bread with it – it's perfect. It's perfection. It is, man. It is. And the kids are like, hey, Dad, come join us in the prayer. Like, oh, no, no, we're good. No, no, no. no. You, you guys go ahead. This is great. Mom and Dad are going to take some pictures. No, we're not. You guys keep going. No, you look great. Have some fun. Hey, Dad, you're holding the camera backwards. Shut up. Just keep marching around using you your tambourine. You look good, kid. Yep. Joey, Just keep the, going. The text line's going nuts. It's called Tonga Toast, I think, right? Oh, that's the one. That's the one, Michelle. Absolutely. Yep. That's the bread. And they also have pong juice, which they bring out. It's like this Hawaiian juice. We've actually tried to make it before. Yeah, it's it, it, <laughs> boy. You want to talk? We don't have a lot of time here. But my wife and I, we are we are savages. You want to talk about savages taking all the corners, Dan, out of his carrot cake? We are savages when it comes to Disney. We will bring thermoses. We will order all kinds of pong juice. We will fill up our thermoses, and we will literally sip that all day till it gets about uh, three o'clock. Then we bring in the vodka. Then we sip a little vodka <laughs> in the pong juice, and that's how you get to Disney World, folks. That's how you get to Disney World. Oh, yeah. Joey, we'll be tuned in tonight. You're always the best. Have a happy St. Joseph's Day. You as well. Thanks, buddy. That's the great Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. From crankshaft to Tonga Toast. Don't even need to talk hockey. We have to talk hockey. We don't need to. It's just unbelievable, the stuff that we get from Joe Vitale every week. Just The best segment every week, no matter what. He's the best.
Coming Look at up, Emily, uh, she's just wow. <laughs> coming up, uh, we've got the fight coming your way. A uh, new fighter? Did I lose? Did I win yesterday? By the way, somebody you said on the text line. Let me find it. And I actually, uh, I think they may be right. Uh, Danny Mac, Randy would have put carrots on your cake if you did not root against him every morning in the fight. Oh, I'm sure Joey wouldn't root against that's him. That's true. Joey this would not. This is uh, incorrect. It was an oversight it on your part. To- just, you know. Dan McLaughlin is one of my best friends in the world. I would never do anything to disparage Dan. Likewise, but obviously and this is an oversight. Well, you know what it means, Dan, is that you get another carrot cake. I love it. <laughs> if that, I'll, I'll, hey, if I've got to make sure that you feel upset about something to get more carrot cake, I'll, I'll guilt you into that. Whining works sometimes. That's right. I love it. <laughs> Thanks. The, the fight is coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. And the pitch is driven out to right center. Goodbye. My goodness. The My Goodness Meter. Adorbs. Well, that's cute. With Danny Mac. My goodness. On Character and Smallman. Hell yes. Nothing like the my goodness meter really for isn't. Danny Mac. And this is more than just sports. This is worldly. This is pop culture. This is celebrity. This is really where it all, where, where the rubber meets the road on Character Smallman and McLaughlin on 101 ESPN. That's what, I mean, I think when most people, if they want to get hardcore baseball talk, you know, that's where they come. You know, I'm, I'm always there right. and available. But if you want to talk about pop culture, I'm there too. Some things are adorable. They are some things are absolutely adorable too, Randy. And just to remind everyone of the meter, the my goodness meter, it starts out the lowest possible rating you can get is an adorbs. Mm-hmm. Then we we creak up to an absolutely adorable, mm-hmm. uh, classic Danny Mac. My goodness, yes. And the very very rare, hell yes. Very rare. Very rare. Rarely happens, Randall. Mm-hmm. Well, I, Rarely. I'm going to go ahead, if I was a wagering girl, I think this story I'm about to present might get a hell yes. Okay. All right. So the Detroit Lions, uh, the second half might get a hell yes, not the first the pr- first part. But the Lions have re- released backup quarterback Chase Daniel. Now, he signed, this was a year after he signed to backup Matthew Stafford. In his career to this point, Chase Daniel has earned $37,809,000. My goodness. That is a my goodness. As a backup, Dan. As a backup. As a backup. And five starts, I believe. I was going to ask you, you probably know this, guys. How many starts? Has it been five starts, four starts? starts. He's appeared in 69 games. He started five of them. He's completed 178 of 261 passes for 1,694 yards. He has scored eight touchdowns, seven interceptions. But 37 million. $809,164. $809,164. Hey, more power to him, though. Yep. I mean, that's a Super Bowl ring, too. He's got a Super right. Bowl ring with New Orleans. Mm-hmm. He had an unbelievable Missouri career. He was awesome. He's obviously good enough to play in the league. Those people wouldn't have him as a backup. So more power to him, but $37 million? This is a my goodness? That's a my goodness. On the meter, it doesn't get too close to the nine. You're at about an 8-7. Wow, okay. Yeah, but it's... That's pretty darn impressive. You know, for me, I know I don't get to rate, but if I'm making $37 million to start five games, that's a hell yes for me. Yeah. <laughs> How many years now has he been in the league? Oh, nine was his rookie year. That's right. So he's over a decade in the league, yep. too. 
And, and he's, isn't taking hits. I was going to say, he's walking away with his body intact. Yeah, exactly. Good for him. Great gig if you can get it. Oh, no doubt. Good for him. Yeah. My goodness. Now, Dan, I have to tell you, late last night I get a text from Randy, and he's like, we need to use this for the MGM, the My Goodness Meter. Okay. Randy has been incredibly locked into a very specific story in the sports world. How and it, serious And it is. took a turn yesterday. It took a turn, and Randy would like to present something for the My Goodness Meter. So, Dan, as we know, anybody who pays attention to sports, 46-year-old Larsa Pippen, former wife of Scottie Pippen, has you been... You love this... Well, I'm obsessed. I told Michelle. Uh, yeah. okay. He, he so, responds last night to me. I go, you love this story. He goes, I'm obsessed. Yeah. So she's 46. She's 46. And she convinced 24-year-old Malik Beasley to leave his wife, Montana Yao, and their child in Minnesota and mm-hmm. start dating Larsa. Well, Larsa went up to Minnesota, broke up with 24-year-old Malik the 46-year-old did. The 46-year-old broke up with him, headed back to Miami, and over the weekend was spotted poolside with a mystery man. And now, OK exclusively revealed that the tattooed hunk by <laughs> Lars's side was Miles Cronman. The two appeared to be turning up the heat at the W Hotel in Miami, lounging by the pool close together and sipping on matching coconut drinks. The coconut drinks are always a dead giveaway. Absolutely adorable. I mean, spread the love. <laughs> That's what Lars is doing. That's right? what I'm That's trying to say. That's the only thing that she's spreading, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just saying. My goodness. <laughs> just saying. So do you Spread feel, the love. I'm good with spreading love. Do we feel bad for Malik? And by the way, I will say that Miles Cronman is a hunk. So Who's Miles Cronman? That's the new boat. I know, but who is he? It's just a guy. No, actually, Randy, in the story that you sent me last night, if you scroll down, I think it he owns a couple businesses. A couple okay. businesses. So he's not in sports? He's not in sports. I okay. think he's an entrepreneur or yeah. business owner. All right. And by the way, we figured this all out because Malik and Larsa quit following each other on social media. Well, when that happens, you know it's over. Yeah. That's always the dead giveaway. Did I tell you that I called Randy yesterday to thank him again for the carrot cake? And Joan got on the phone, and I did ask her if they would go I.O., and she you said she, yeah. And she, she said she'd consider it. Yeah, she never. I never got a consideration when I asked. So, well, Dan starts to make requests, and all of a sudden, oh yeah, I'll think about it. So he's got more cash in my house than I do. I just said, if you guys want to really make this an official deal in 2021, I know you've been married a long time. You got grown up kids, but why not go Instagram official? Go IO. Gotta go IO, dog. Yeah. Randy's trying to get those followers on Instagram at RJ Carriker. Give him a follow try to help you out with this. She does not have to appear. Her face doesn't have to know. appear in this. Doesn't have to be a, a full body shot of both you guys I, together. I it's think just, it's just hand maker. in hand. By the way, let's take a look at those followers. I don't understand why she won't do it. You can also follow Dan at Scoops, so. at D- Scoops with Danny Mac. Excuse Thank me. you, Michelle. You and M. follow M. Michelle as well at M. Smallman. I'm at 2,468 followers. Still trying to catch my dog. <laughs> I'm telling you today, if I get to follower number 2,500 on the IG today, on the Insta, Instagram, okay, at RJ Carricker, follower number 2,500 will get a free 101 ESPN t-shirt, a personally autographed photo of Randy Vintage from the Fast Lane days. That's right. And a 101 ESPN bumper sticker. And And I'll mail it personally. Yep. And you'll mail it personally. Yep. 2,500. How many short? I'm only uh, 32 short. Oh, you can get that today. I would hope so. So number number 2,500, you've got a shirt coming your way. And then the person that allows me to pass my dog, 
the person that puts us over the top, we're going to have a major party here on Character and Smallman. Hell that yes. Yeah. And so that person will get a prize pack with even more. Even just, more? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to throw in a bonus item for the person that helps me pass the dog. Is I, it a carrot cake? Can't tell you what it is. Okay, it's a secret. Bring in Joey Vitale lighting this thing up. That's what you should do. Is you want a party? Let's bring in Joey. That's oh, right. No, absolutely. All right. Uh, thank you very that was much. Quick, my goodness. But yeah, I, it was, yeah. It was okay. Fun. It was worth it. But Next yeah, up, <laughs> that's Randy's way of saying let's move on <laughs> to the Brown and Crouppen <laughs> Celebrity Line. ESPN's Sean Farnham is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Sean Farnham from ESPN joins us as we approach the NCAA tournament. Sean, thanks for taking some time with us this morning. No problem. It's the best time of year to be talking college basketball. I want to start with this because it's so weird. If somebody would have told you a year ago after we got everything suspended that next year we'd have a tournament, but we wouldn't have Duke, we wouldn't have Kentucky, and Michigan State and your alma mater, UCLA, would be playing a play-in game, what would you have thought? Uh, I would have thought you were crazy. Uh, but, you know, given the, given the way this whole thing has played out, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And I think a big part of it has been the way that the scheduling is broken down, in particular for those one-and-done teams. This was going to be a year from the get-go that you, you leaned on experience. And unfortunately for those teams that rely so heavily upon one and done, they were unable to get those guys on campus and get those workouts in June and July and August to kind of set the tone for what this year was going to look like or how they're expected to play. And because of that, neither one of them were able to get to uh, what their goal has been and what the consistency has been uh, in those two programs in particular. Sean, which number one seed do you think is more, is likely to fall first, Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, or Michigan? Um, I have Baylor losing first, but I, I have them losing essentially the same time as Michigan. Uh, so I have both losing in the Elite Eight. I have Baylor losing to Ohio State, and I have Texas beating Michigan. I think the key for Michigan, and I might move Michigan to maybe getting upset in the Sweet 16 if they play to Florida State, if Isaiah Livers is unable to go. And uh, he's out indefinitely right now, and the hope is that, that they try to get him back at some point in time, maybe misses the first weekend and gets to come back the second weekend. So we're kind of waiting to see an injury update on him. Uh, but even without Isaiah Livers, I still think they have a shot to beat Florida State just because they don't turn the ball over. Florida State had some issues with that in the uh, ACC championship game where they gave up 31 points off of turnovers to Georgia Tech. Uh, and I think that Hunter Dickinson is, is a load underneath. Baylor just hasn't looked the same since they came off of their COVID pause. Uh, been a little bit inconsistent. Uh, on the three-point shot, and they left that as the number one team shooting the ball from beyond the arc. Uh, and then all of a sudden, now they're a little inconsistent there, and then their defensive communication hasn't been as crisp. So I'll look forward to seeing what they do. As I, I, my anticipation for Baylor, too, is they're going to go through a gauntlet here. Uh, because if Wisconsin beats North Carolina in the opening round, I have them facing nothing but Big Ten opponents all the way through. Hmm. They, they'd face Purdue. Uh, they, they'd face Ohio State. They'd face Wisconsin. I mean, those three teams, they, they're different styles and different ways of playing and very physical It'd be interesting to see if that's actually how it plays out. Sean, full disclosure, I went to the University of Illinois. I've waited 16 years to see a team like this. <laughs> so I need you to tell me how much should I put into this? Do, do you have Illinois a winning? A lot. A lot? Okay, a thank lot. you. I think so, too. You should be putting in massive amounts right now and believing in Brad Underwood and this team. Uh, I just think they're playing the best basketball of the year. And I have them going to the national championship game. Now, I do have them losing there. I would anticipate your bracket, if you're in a line I faithful, uh, you should be picking them over Gonzaga. Um, but I, I have Gonzaga beating them in the national championship game, but I just love Iota Sumu. Uh, I said this the other day on Get Up. Uh, 
he reminds me so much of a little bit of Russell Westbrook uh, with a little bit less explosiveness. You know, uh, he's just got relentless pursuit of the basketball at both ends of the floor. And then you look at Kofi and uh, the guy's like a throwback big. You know, first of all, he looks like he's a WWE wrestler, and all he likes to do is just hang on the rim and dunk the basketball, you know. But he eats up so much space at both ends of the floor, and he can cause – he. you don't have to double when you have Kofi. And that allows your guards to be a little bit more free uh, and take a little bit of risks on the outside because you know he's protecting the basket behind you. And I think that, that you know, that has been a big part of their success down the stretch. Uh, I thought they were the, the best team uh, coming into the year in the Big Ten. And uh, certainly Michigan, you know, made us all question that and, and deservedly so with the success that they've had. But I was happy for Brad Underwood, and especially after the, the argument at the end of the season of we had more games and we had more wins, but you won the championship. They proved out in the conference tournament that they deserve to be called Big Ten champions as well uh, by winning the tournament championship. And, and I think you should be excited not only about where this program's at, uh, but where I think it's going to maintain. I think Brad Underwood's that good of a coach. ESPN, Sean Farnham with us on 101 ESPN. And, Sean, we're all looking at this 8-9 Mizzou-Oklahoma matchup. None of us expect that the team that wins that game is going to last long because they'd have Gonzaga next. But how do you look at Missouri and Oklahoma? Uh, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting game because you, you have a, a Missouri team, as we've seen at times, just like absolutely shut down their offense. Like, they, they, they rely so much on their defense. Their margin of error for, is, is pretty thin. Then there's other times where you watch them offensively and you're like, man, they're sensational. And, you know, you go back to that game against Alabama at home, uh, which was a big, big win for Missouri. Uh, they, they were taking care of business and just absolutely crushing them. And then they stopped scoring. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, it's a two-point game. It's a one-possession game down the stretch. So that concerns me a little bit, especially considering the opponents that are playing in Lon Kruger and just how often he's been to the NCAA tournament, how this team, in particular Oklahoma earlier this year, had three straight wins against top ten opponents. They understand that there's a sense of urgency now. And uh, Austin Reeves, their point guard, is massively big uh, for a point guard, and he likes to drive and initiate contact, and and that could get Tillman in foul trouble underneath. And I think if that happens, we've seen what happens to Missouri when Tillman's not on the floor. They're not the same team. Um, So I, I would probably lean a little bit more to Oklahoma, um, and I think their shooters and their spacing and their efficiency in particular at the offensive end uh, will kind of keep the pace where they want it to be uh, and could get uh, Missouri in foul trouble. Sean, what makes March Madness the best is the Cinderella stories, the upsets. So can you give us a matchup or two where you, that you think is ripe for an upset? I think Virginia going against Ohio. Look, we don't know what Virginia's roster is even going to look like. They're not even arriving until potentially Thursday night, Friday morning for their Saturday game because they're in, uh, they're in protocol right now in quarantine, which means they're also not practicing. So I'm looking at that and going, okay, yes, you're the reigning, defending, undisputed national champions from two years ago, but this isn't two years ago. And this team hasn't been the team of two years ago. And they're playing an Ohio team that I think is just one of the great stories in college basketball this year. When you look at Jason Preston, their very talented guard who has NBA potential. And, and to, to start with that, to go back to when he was 15 years old, his mother passed away. He moved with his aunt to the United States from Jamaica. He was six feet tall, dripping wet, weighed about 120 pounds, only scored 52 points his senior year of high school. 52 points. No offers at six feet tall. Was going to go to UCF as a communications major and probably take your job or my job. Hopefully, (laughs) thank goodness, he grew four inches. uh, and, And he made his own highlight film, put it out on Twitter. Longwood and Ohio were the only two universities that expressed interest in him. And earlier this year, you're an Illini fan, you probably remember the game, they only won by two over Ohio. And Preston had 31 points, eight assists, and six rebounds in that game. He is a phenomenal talent. 
NBA scoring ability and great vision and awareness out on the floor. I think he's the perfect guard to go against the pack line defense and cause problems. I have Ohio actually getting all the way to the Sweet 16 in my bracket, knocking off Creighton in the second round. Sean, sometimes conferences are just great, and it looks like the Big Ten is at conference this year. Could you see three or four Big Ten teams winding up in the Elite Eight? Uh, three or four is a little high for me. I've got, uh, actually, no, I've got three in the elite eight. So I have three in the elite eight. I have Michigan, Illinois, and Ohio state all in the elite eight. I have Ohio state and Illinois in the final four of my bracket. Uh, I think the big number for me would be that I have six big 10 teams in the sweet 16. And that would tie a tournament record that was set in 2016 by the ACC. Uh, but I think the big 10 is that deep this year. And I have Rutgers, uh, being the upset one. Uh, coming out as the 10 seed beating Clemson and then beating Houston in the second round. I think Steve Peichel's team is really good when they have a chip on their shoulder. And this is a team and a program a year ago that thought they were going to be in the NCAA tournament, thought they were going to have a chance to make a deep run. And while this year didn't go as smoothly as last year, uh, a lot of those same components are here. And this is, this is a fresh start. And they're going against teams now that aren't as familiar with their style of play as we've seen inside the Big Ten. And I think that's going to bode well for a lot of the teams in the Big Ten this year as they get back out of conference now and play teams uh, that, that don't know their personnel, don't know their settings uh, and their system as well as the teams at conference do. Sean, you said you have Gonzaga win- winning it all. Now, number one overall seed hasn't won in a while. Why do you think the Zags take it this year? Uh, I just think they're just special. I mean, now I'm biased. I'll tell you that right from the get-go because I've covered more of their games than anybody in the country this year, and I, so I've seen them. And I've watched them, and I was able to see two games in person, which normal year would be like, you only saw them twice in person. But this year you see a team twice in person, you're like, yes, I didn't do it from home. This is great. Um, so uh, I, I love their leadership, first and foremost. Corey Kispert, first-team All-American by the Associated Press. He's an, he's an unbelievable leader. So take away his shooting ability, which is going to make him like a Joe Harris-type pro at the next level. Uh, he talks about leadership, and he told me, you know, interesting. He goes, I don't want to lead from the front because I don't want to pull. I don't want to lead from the back because I don't want to push. I have to lead from the center, which means I have to get to know the personalities of everybody on my team and how they work and how I can help them. And I think that's a very mature uh, idea of leadership. I, think, I don't think a lot of people get that, that form of leadership, so I really like that. Two is the fact that since the Wooden Award has been whittled down to the top 15, which goes back, dates back all the way to 2011, no school has ever had three players on that list until this year. So it wasn't Zion. It wasn't R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish at, at, at Duke. It's Gonzaga with Drew Timmy, Jalen Suggs, and uh, Corey Kispert. You talk about Jalen Suggs, he has takeover ability in a game. He's going to be a top-four pick in the NBA draft. He's a one-and-done talent that usually we'd see at a Duke, usually we'd see at a Kentucky, but he chose Gonzaga, and that has made them a little bit different. Then you talk about depth, and we talk about so important guard play this, this time of year, and you go, well, what happens if for any reason those guards get in foul trouble? That's fine. You go to the bench and you bring in Andrew Nemhard, who started 67 consecutive games at Florida before he transferred this year to come off the bench and be named sixth man of the year for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Now, he has moved into the starting lineup in the last couple of weeks, uh, but that kind of guard play and their efficiency and the elite level in which they score the basketball in the paint. They score over 52 points a game in the paint, and twice this year they scored over 70 points in the paint. And if you look at the seeds that are on their side of the bracket, the two, three, and the four, all of those teams already. And the interesting thing about it is very simple. They scored 99.6 points per game against them. They shot 58% from the field and their average margin of victory was over 15. They are an elite 
level special team. Sean Farnham, great analysis. We love what you do at ESPN, and we appreciate you taking some time with us today. Thank you very much. No problem. Talk to you soon. Sean Farnham of ESPN, and with the first round action of the NCAA tournament scheduled to kick off today, 101 ESPN will be getting in on the fun. You can head over to Ballpark Village to watch the games on all the screens there. Join BK and Ferrario and the Fast Lane today from Ballpark Village. Plenty of food, bucket specials, giveaways, and a ton of screens to watch all the first-round madness. Then tune in this weekend for first and second-round action live here on 101 ESPN, Saturday and Sunday, courtesy of Matheny Heating and Cooling and Goodwill. And we should note that... You still have a few minutes to get into our Bracket Madness. The games start at 11. Go to 101ESPN.com to sign up to play in this year's Bracket Madness Pick'em Challenge against everybody here at 101 ESPN. Michelle, Emily, Dan are all in. Everybody at the station is signed up, and you should be too. It's brought to you by the Sportsbook at Argosy Casino, Alton, and Bud Light. Fill out your tourney, tourney bracket at 101ESPN.com. It's free to enter, and this year's top score will take home a $250 Fanatics gift card. You must be 21 or over and a resident of Missouri or Illinois to play. The first round starts today in about an hour and 45 minutes. Get signed up to play in Bracket Madness now at 101ESPN.com. Next up, today's big thing. We'll reveal our Final Four and National Championships next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Come on. College fight song. Say the words. No. Okay. We already have given you our... I'm not going to sing. I can't. Our our regional results over the last few days. By the way, he was Marilyn Monroe yesterday. I did. That's true. Which, by the way, you got a lot of love for that. You really did. You committing to go full Marilyn for Dan. Well, hey, I was asked to do it. I had to pay off. That's why I have a tattoo on the back of my shoulder. I I'm not sure anybody off. asked him to do it. I think he just did it. Well, well someone on the text line did. Oh, that's they, right. They, oh, that's they right. said, yeah. you know what? Randy needs to go full Maryland. I, I take care of the, the peeps, my peeps. Uh, so the winner of this little competition that we've had over the course of the last several days is going to get bragging rights and the loser is going to have to do something and we're going to determine what it is we've got a little wheel that we spin a wheel yes a wheel <laughs> that we're going to spin to determine what the loser between character and smallman has to do when they lose this tournament bracket showdown dan you want in on this i i'd say i got something for you okay what is it you gotta wear the uh the black and gold a Mizzou. Oh, what? Come on. I mean, that maybe a Missouri jersey of some sort of hat. <laughs> and for Randy, uh, we've got some bad ones on the wheel. I'd love some tech suggestions on this because it could get really fun here. 65780. This could get Send really interesting. I know that's a tough one for you. You know, I don't hate Mizzou, but it just feels unnatural to me I, to well, that's wear the whole, Mizzou that, stuff. That's the whole point, though. Yeah. Well, it actually got taken one step further because people have suggested that Randy wear an I Love Stan Kroenke shirt. Now, that would, yes. Which would be far more painful than me wearing Mizzou stuff. Wow. If you had to do that, that, 
Would you do it? Could you do it? If I lost, and yeah. You have to wear it all day. I'd Go to, to a gas off. station, walk walk in a store. Yeah. Oh, man. My hope would that be. That would be enough for me not to even play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, what if you had to do that? Could I, you do that? No, I don't think I could. One of the other ones is that you I would really have don't. to. Uh, I don't think so you, You'd have to put a Stan picture as your social media avatar, avatar for a week. I might be able to do that with, because if you did that, no one said I couldn't put darts in it. That's true. You know, I just so have a couple, Photoshop it. Yeah, yeah, just put a couple darts. So, kids, here's my final well, four. Maybe he's got to wear like a Brady jersey or That's something. That's true. That's true. One of the one of the things on the wheel is the one chip challenge. Have you seen that, Dan? No. So it has a what's it called? The Carolina Reaper. Yeah. Pepper. It's one chip. It this was viral a, a while back. It comes in a package shaped like a coffin, and you eat one potato chip, and it has the world's hottest pepper infused into it. Yeah, it's dangerous. That's, that's rough. I made Randy watch a video. The guys on Mike and Mike did it a few years back, and they were struggling. Well, I want Randy to um, still broadcast beyond that day. Correct. And knowing past heart issues, <laughs> I just want to make sure that he's okay. I, I think that's fair. I appreciate that, Dan. No problem. He's buddies. looking out for you. Okay. Right? I am. Here are some of the possibilities that are on the wheel. Okay. Uh, doing the whole show, three hours, with your thumbs taped down. Opposable thumbs are everything. I once had a award-winning science fair project where I did all these experiments without your opposable thumbs. It's impossible. Yeah. Imagine having a live spot, Dan, Can and trying your, trying yeah. to grab your co- your sheet here without a thumb. It's very difficult. Check Twitter. Check, you couldn't do it's anything. Up. Yeah. Uh, Whole eat, show, no thumbs. Eat the bad jelly beans. Like, you get a box of jelly beans and most of them are good. Some that of them one's are an bad. easy one. I don't like uh, the black jelly beans, though. Those are bad. I don't either. Say I love you in every interview one day. <laughs> To the per- to the person, um, that would be that would be interesting. Eighties karaoke. No, uh, I like the "I love you." Yeah, yeah can you imagine if we're interviewing uh, Mike Schultz we, we, and I have I to love say you, I, lo- "I love you" to him when we get off the, <laughs> yeah. the phone? We've, we've got the, the, the Cronky shirt. Uh, you'd have to wear a uh, sandwich board that says "I lost" out on the on the edge on Olive. Okay, uh, I like that. I would have to wear a Red Wings. Michelle would have to wear a Rams jersey. I think I'm getting the worst part of that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So let me just spin one just to see. Where it what, lands. Right now, this one would be the whole show without thumbs. So, so there you have it. All right. Here's my final four, kids. I've got the t- four top seeds. Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, the Fighting Illini. I have in my championship game, I have, uh, I don't know if this is no, okay, I've got Baylor playing the Fighting Illini, and then I've got Gonzaga playing Michigan, and then I've got, for some reason, Gonzaga playing Baylor for the championship. And I've got Gonzaga Obviously, winning. you've done a lot of, for some reason, yeah. <laughs> you've done some really deep diving research. High seeds, high seeds. <laughs> uh, I've got Gonzaga winning it all over Baylor. Okay, Dan? I have in my final four coming out of the West, I've got Iowa. Out of the East, I have Michigan. Out of the South, I have Baylor. Out of the Midwest, I have Tennessee. I don't know if that matches up with the uh, bracket that I put in on 101ESPN.com. <laughs> However, it was done again this morning after deep dive research, a lot of tape last night. All right. And in my final, I have Michigan and Baylor, and I got Baylor winning it all. I will say this, of all my brackets, I have Baylor winning it all. So I've, I've stayed steadfast with Baylor. Okay. So it's a bracket of integrity then. There you go. Thank you, Randall. Some consistency. I like Thank that. Thank you.
So I'm, I'm kind of concerned that I got too cute with mine because I only have one number one seed advancing to the final four, clearly Illinois. I have Ohio State coming out of the South. I actually have Ohio State playing Purdue to advance to the final four. I love Matt Painter. I actually had him going deep in one of my uh, one of my my picks too. And I had Ohio State going in another one. I love the Big Ten. The Big Ten was a great conference this year. Really, really good competition. They were very deep this year. I have Iowa coming out of the West. I have Gonzaga actually falling to Iowa in the Elite Eight. And then I have Alabama coming out of the East. So I have three out of four Big Ten teams in the national cha- or in the final four. And then in the national championship game, I have Illinois defeating Alabama. I, I just can't get sold on Alabama. And I know it's like the popular pick and didn't go against them. And believe me, they are really well coached and they are talented and they've earned everywhere uh, of the accolades that they have gotten from all the different people, the experts, and they've gotten a number two seed and they've earned it with a 24-6 and six record out of the SEC. I get it. I'm just not sold on them. I don't know if it's past bias. I just can't get with it. And it's, I think the same thing for me with Gonzaga. They, they just don't play the gauntlet schedule that some of these other teams do. And I'm holding it against them, and I probably shouldn't, but I, I, I do. I agree with you. So, uh, so there you have our winners in the NCAA tournament that starts in... Uh, about an hour and 15 minutes or so. How come we weren't down at Ballpark Village? It's a good question. I don't know. Maybe yeah. they didn't open early enough for us. Well, they would have done that for you, Randy. Maybe. And Michelle. Michelle would have probably you. brought in a bunch of Illinois fans. Probably. Yeah. yeah. We'll set something up. All I right. have uh, passed 2,500 followers on the uh, Insta. And All right, Randy. I want to congratulate Brian Miller. He was follower number 2,500. And so he will receive the tre- the 101 ESPN t-shirt, the autographed photo, and the bumper sticker. I'm now only 116 followers behind my dog. <laughs> so when you have the opportunity to hop on the Insta today, hop on. And the person that allows me to pass the dog will get a special Randy Carricker 101 ESPN prize pack. I think people need to know though, what kind of content you're putting on your, your social meteors. Want to see the le- uh, or know the last few things I put up? Sure. Let's see. I put up a picture of your cake. I delightful. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Adorable. Food stuff. I've got the uh, St. Patrick's Day green eggs and pancake. I've got a picture. Michelle requested this of a landline phone. That's right. So uh, I've got a picture of the prize pack that we uh-huh. sent out. Because a lot of the kids, uh, Dan, have the, no the, idea the what a landline on no. IG. I've never seen yeah. a landline. Uh, I've got a picture of uh, my dog, the one that I'm trying to pass in followers. Maybe you shouldn't have David that. Because no, because I, I don't. People I didn't, I didn't give it. her name, uh, her handle on it. Oh, so. Okay, good, good, good. So anyway, so that's where we're, we are with this. Silliness. Okay. It's, it's ridiculous, but I'm doing it. At RJ Carricker, follow him. Yeah, and M. Smallman at Scoops at Danny Mac. I should know this, but I think we still have a landline in my house. You do? Really? Yeah. Is it a cordless phone, or does it have a cord? It's cordless. Nice. Yeah. You ever hear it ring? Yeah. yeah. Really? Telemarketers? Yeah. It's so, always telemarketers. Sure. Uh, yeah. I get, um, I get these calls. So on my TV, I get a caller ID, and sometimes it comes up as spam risk. So I will answer the phone and say, hey, Spam Risk, what's going on? <laughs> spam, what up, dog? Yeah. Yeah. So and what ha- do, they, do you get a response? Generally not. One, okay. one lady was just aghast. She said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, could you just please take your number off? But I enjoy 
the robocalls and the callers. You 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 actually engage. I totally engage, and we, I have we fun. We have got to get you out more. Honestly, <laughs> it's so We've much. Got to get you out more because you you are into sports, which is great. Don't get me wrong. We do sports for a living, mm-hmm. and you watch a lot of sports. Mm-hmm. Would you agree, Michelle? Dan, it's a yeah. pandemic. I, well, that's true, Randy. But pre, even pre-pandemic, this is this hasn't disrupted your sports viewing, has it? Uh, well, yeah, no. I have to say that. It, no, it, it hasn't. So I, got, I know you I, so well. Just stop. I got one where they were going to give me a free cruise, <laughs> but I it turned out I had to buy something, and I acted like I was just so distraught. I've never been on a cruise, and I thought you were going to send me on a free cruise where I didn't have to pay. <laughs> and this person just stayed with me for like 15 minutes. It was unbelievable. Look, start taking Joan out to dinner, and at that point, you might go I.O. Maybe you need okay, to we'll treat her a little bit. Happens. We'll see if that happens. All right. Coming up next, you're Some killing me, Small. On 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, here we go with... You're killing me, Small. So we talked a lot about Andy Dalton heading to Chicago. Not exactly what Bears fans wanted, but that's what happened. And Andy Dalton revealed that part of the reason he wanted to go to Chicago is because he was assured that he was going to be QB1. He talked to the Associated Press, and here's the quote. He said, they told me I was the starter. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to come here. So every conversation I've had has been that. So that's the assurance that I've gotten. Yikes. So I guess they had completely given up on the idea of getting, unless they're lying to Andy Dalton, which has happened in football and other sports before. But they, they clearly, in telling him that, have given up on the idea of giving getting either Wilson or Watson. In That's Chicago. the way I look at it, too. He's the guy. Unless something yeah. falls in their lap. Or maybe they are telling Andy Dalton that and they secretly have a draft strategy somehow. I don't know. Well, I still think you'd have to draft somebody. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Yeah, but their draft strategy is never good. It's they passed on Mahomes and Watson, so yeah. I and traded up to get past them. To yeah, get I wouldn't trust them. Trubisky. Yeah. Yeah, not great. Not great. No. But if you're a Bears fan, you could maybe at least before you read that quote, rationalize that there might still be a bigger, a bigger plan, plan in yeah. place, and that Andy Dalton, while he's been effective, certainly would be a great backup hey, to have thing, in the league. But you gotta you, have somebody, right? You gotta have somebody, but. I would like to think if you're a Bears fan that you think it's temporary, but then do you hear Andy Dalton say, no, no, they gave me a lot of reassurance that I'm the guy. I, think, I am the guy. And if I'm a Bears fan, I'm saying maybe they made the best offers like they like we talked about yesterday, the three number ones, couple twos, and they're not going to give up anything more. So this was their backup plan, and they got their guy, and they're moving forward. I also think so. It's a Dan, lateral move, in my opinion. Yeah, Dan Patrick had reported that the Bears offered three firsts and a three for Russell Wilson plus players. And then Jason Lockenfora said that Seattle was offered, quote, a swath of players to choose from, inc- including Mack and Hicks, with the possibility one or more could be dealt. So I would imagine if Seattle had that option where they could pick and choose any players they wanted, including Khalil Mack and those picks, and they still didn't want to move on from Russell Wilson, that he's not going anywhere. Yeah, I wouldn't think anywhere. that's the case. Neither is Russell Will, or neither is uh, Deshaun. Yeah, thank you. Schefter didn't totally close the door on Wilson. He said there's st- it may still be cracked open a little, but I can't imagine that they're going to get a better offer than that. No. Well, let's let's reverse this. If you're the Seattle Seahawks, how does trading him make you any better? It doesn't. So yeah, there's do no way. So you don't do it. And I don't think he's going to sit out. And he's locked in, so he's not going to sit out. Once his money, he stays. You're killing me, Smalls. Well, 
That leads us to Mitchell Trubisky, who's not with the Bears anymore, but he signed a one-year deal yesterday with the Bills. He's going to be Josh Allen's backup, and their GM, Brandon Bean, said that this is a reset for Trubisky and that they don't expect him to be there long-term. Look what Brian Dayball did with Josh Allen, turning him from a 57% completion guy to basically a 70% completion guy. If ever there was an ideal spot for Mitchell Trubisky to get a reset, it's in Buffalo, where basically a guy who has had the same history in the NFL, not being accurate, became accurate. I I think guys are better sometimes than what they're showing. I bet he is better than what he showed in Chicago and put him in a system where it's a change of scenery, change of coordinator and better talent, Mm -hmm. depending on where he goes. I bet he's a better player and don't have the offense revolve around him throwing the ball. That's my point. If he has an offense, what did they do? They ran the ball. Exactly. And they, they threw it when they needed to. And that's how they made the playoffs. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, one more quarterback nugget for you guys. So we know Carson Wentz is officially with the Colts, and I thought this was interesting. So he hasn't spoken to the Philadelphia media, Carson Wentz, since he was benched in week 14. And he had his introductory news conference, and it was announced that Philadelphia media reportedly wasn't able to ask any questions during the press conference. So as members of the media, what do you think about that? Because part of the the rumor mill that was coming out of Philadelphia was about Carson Wentz maybe not being amenable to things or being a little demanding. And I don't know if this was Indy behind this, not wanting to have anyone from Philly there to have him turn the page. But if he's not speaking to the media and then doesn't want the Philly media to be able to ask questions, that I think says something. He should or the Colts should set something up so that he does he is made available to the Philly media. Yesterday is a Sunshine Lollipops press conference. That's fun. It's it's you're looking towards the future and it, that's a happy press conference. And if you include the Philly media, it's not going to be a happy press conference. What you want it to be is like any press conference we've ever been to when a guy is welcome to town. It's 100% positive. And that's I'm sure what the Colts wanted. But that being said, to be responsible he should be made available to the Philly media, either in a national press conference or one just for the Philadelphia people. This would be my guess. I, I don't know this for sure, but when Nolan Arenado gets traded to St. Louis, um, and he, had, by all accounts, had a tremendous association with the media, so that doesn't sound like Carson Wentz had a very good association or relationship with the media in Philly, and it's it's two different markets. I get it, but he did a whole separate press conference with the media mm-hmm. in Colorado mm-hmm. and just was very open about what was going on as much as he could be and talked about leaving Colorado and very gracious about his time there and, and even thanked those that covered him. That's all you got to do. I mean, yeah. just to answer the question, say, thanks, guys. And it's amazing <laughs> to me how, again, technology has changed things because before COVID, mm-hmm. are those Philadelphia TV stations and radio stations and newspapers going to send people to cover a press conference in but Indianapolis? Even before COVID, do you need to? You could call up your affiliate in Indianapolis, your you know your Fox, NBC, CBS, and say, hey, would you ask this question right. now? Now, that that affiliate in that hometown of his current hometown of Indianapolis wants to have a good relationship with him. So Mm -hmm. he's going to remember if you asked him a 
tough question or an uneasy question. However, if you wanted that question answered, you, you could still get it done. And by the way, it wasn't like tough questions or, or the, the questions that Philadelphia wanted asked weren't asked yesterday. He was asked about being a bad teammate in Philadelphia and asked about what happened in Philadelphia to cause the breakdown. So was there something specific? I wonder if there was any underlying thing that was out there that they were going to ask him about rumor mill kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. But if if you're we know Philly's tough, it's a tough town, sure. tough fan base, tough media. If he hasn't spoken to anyone in the Philadelphia media since week 14 and then in the press conference, they're not allowed to ask questions. Now it's a thing. Now it's a mm-hmm. thing. That's so a good point. I think he's better off just ripping the bandaid off and yep. doing it. And to your point, pre-COVID, if Philly was going to if some media outlet in Philly was going to send people there. He can't control who's standing outside no. his locker. He, well, can't, he can't shut it down. So it's actually beneficial for Carson Wentz to have it over Zoom. And I, I got to—I would be shocked if he didn't have some type of relationship with somebody that's powerful in the media that is, whether it's on his side or at least, let's just say, fair, to be the conduit to ask those questions that would ask those questions that he felt comfortable enough with that person that it will be interpreted oh. properly from his feelings like sometimes guys say look i'm willing to answer those questions but i answered it and then they interpreted it and put the quote in and then wrote around it and it's not what i was saying but if you if you've been in that city as long as he has in a prominent position as the qb and you're answering questions every single day believe me he's got a couple people he trusts in the media and i think the other point to be made for all of the philadelphia media if you're carson wentz you just go in and you can even answer completely truthfully because they hate Howie Roseman, the general manager. They hate Roseman's choice of a new head coach in Nick Sirianni. They hate the fact that the, the Eagles wasted a number two pick that they overall pick that they traded up to get. Those people are probably as much or more against the people that traded Wentz as they are against Wentz. That's a good point. And he has no loyalty to them anymore. No. And the other thing, too, is I've always said this. You can control the narrative. You know, before you start your press conference, you'd say, hey, there's a few things I'd like to address before I open it up for questioning. Number one, I'm excited to be here with the Indianapolis Colts. I'm excited about bringing here, uh, being brought here and the blah, 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 blah about Indianapolis. As it pertains to Philadelphia, there's probably some questions about why I left. Well, here are some things that are on my mind as to why I left. You've addressed it. You control the narrative. What else can you ask if he says it, if he's up there and he talks about it? If I am Carson Wentz's media Advisor, I do say that, but I have him start the press conference on Zoom, sitting at the table or standing at the podium, whatever the case <laughs> might be, by saying, "Today, today, today, I consider myself." That's myself, a different. Myself, that's a different era. Man, 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 <laughs> on the face of the earth, earth, earth. That was Lou Gehrig. This is Carson Wentz. Uh, you could just borrow that, though. Because wouldn't they love that. it in Indy if no. he thought that he was the luckiest man on the face of the earth? No, uh, that's Lou Gehrig. You got to move on, Randy. It's a Lou new Gehrig's era. Lou not going to complain. Well, Lou Gehrig is not on Zoom. Okay, you got Zoom. And it doesn't reverberate like that. Okay. Sometimes, Just saying. Sometimes. Well, that's true. Sometimes, sometimes it does. <laughs> Depends whose phone is up, you that's know, right. and you get to... <laughs> rup, 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 you or know. you're asking the question and someone is yelling at their dog yeah. because they haven't muted themselves. So. <laughs> right. I, made, you made me think of... Uh, it, I was on Twitter the other day, and this is pre-COVID, and, and the guy was doing an interview out of his... It was some dignitary of foreign affairs and I mean really powerful guy and they're asking him something about like nuclear weapons and all of a sudden it, it's almost like out of an SNL skit he's at his uh, desk and he's like I'm I'm very well we're, you know we're doing this and blah 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 he's very buttoned down he's in his suit and all of a sudden you see his door open to his office and his little kid who <laughs> looks like he's maybe three or four dad dad you know screaming at him and, awesome. and, and you see like um, 
like a nanny or something, come in and grab that kid. And run out. Yeah. And run out. And then not even 30. And he said, I very much apologize. I'm sorry that won't <laughs> happen again. And this is pre-COVID, right? So then, like... Not even 30 seconds later, there's a kid that's not walking that has one of those things that you've, you've I don't know what you would call them, but you put them in there. Extra saucer. It's an extra saucer. And he comes rolling in and then in, in the background and starts rolling in right behind him. I mean, they're trying to have a talk about nuclear weapons and you have those two kids coming in the back. It was awesome. It's hilarious. And they just lost the whole segment. That's that, amazing. It's hilarious. Great stuff. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up next, we're going to cross things over with Danny Mac before... The BK and Ferrario show, but the Dan Mac and BK show will be half here at our studios in Creve and half at Ballpark Village. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> One thing that I wanted to hit on today that we're going to have to just tie up a loose end here. Do you guys think that at, on opening day, when the Cardinals play the Reds, that the lineup at the top of the order is going to be Edmund Goldschmidt Arenado? I don't know. It might be. I think it is. I do, too. I'm starting to lean that way. I, I am. would like Dylan Carlson in that spot, but I understand Mike Mike Schilt's rationale. I, I do, too. And I, I could make a... I could make a uh, case for Dylan Carlson to be there, which originally was my thought as a young player to get that kind of protection. I right. thought, boy, that, that'd be perfect for him. I, I really, though, like the idea if you're the opposition and the way that Tommy Edmond has come out guns a-blazing here in spring training, and I do think it's a sign of things to come because he is taking more pitches out of the zone, and he talked about being – lack of aggression inside the zone last year where now he's more aggressive he's mm-hmm. got a great batting eye he doesn't walk a lot but if you watch it when he attacks if it's inside the zone he's going after it and he said he got away from that and he's not doing that he had three balls last night hit the ball right on the button had nothing to show for it so you got Tommy Edmond at the top and then all of a sudden as the opposition is trying to get settled in you got to face Goldschmidt Arenado so you're doing damage right away yeah I, I like that and if we're going to see starters not go deep into games, let's get to them as quickly as you can. You know, so if you're going to get maybe two times through a lineup, put them up at the top and try to get them as quickly as you can. I know this is where baseball is right now. I still like the idea of table setters and guys who clear the I table. Do that's just the, the way we grew up watching baseball. I and miss the eighties, man. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, and so I, I get this, and I get the idea of wanting to have. Goldschmidt and Arenado step to the plate as many times as you possibly can. But I'm also concerned about once you get past those top three in the lineup. Yeah. Maybe we're seeing the signs out of DeYoung that Mm -hmm. are going to be good. Uh, Tyler O'Neill's had a great spring. I I think he's, you know, you look at the numbers and you say, okay, those are the numbers for spring. Some good, some bad. And with guys with track records, you just kind of take it for what it is. The O'Neill thing, though, what I've seen is an adjustment. The eye test for me has is, is been different of what I'm seeing. He has got an ex- extremely quick bat. He's got really quick hands. He's letting the ball get deeper in the zone, and he's made adjustments on the pitch that gets him out a lot. And I'm not saying it's not going to happen. He's going he's gonna to give his fair share of strikeouts. Don't get me wrong. But like the other day against Scherzer, Scherzer threw him a nasty breaking ball on the middle outer half, and he takes that to right for a base hit. 
A home run the other day was to right field. Mm-hmm. He's making a conscious effort to go the other way and use the entire field. And if he does that, he's a different player. Yeah. He's not pulling off the ball. So there's where maybe, Randy, some of that protection comes in with those two. And I look at O'Neal. I think he's, especially when you have a guy like Carlson, he's the quintessential number 6 hitter, a guy who can do major damage for yes. you that strikes out a lot. I think he's a good fit there. So my lineup, if you're going to do it this way, I am going to hit DeYoung fourth. I'm going to hit Carlson fifth and Tyler sixth. And then I I like Yachty in the eight hole. And then whether it's Thomas or Bader, won't be uh, the center fielder hitting eighth. Yeah, I, I think I'm in the, the same boat. I, I like that speed at the bottom of the lineup. That can make a difference, mm-hmm. too, especially if you're going to be pinch hitting a lot which, I mean, no starter averaged five innings last year in baseball. That's an incredible stat last year. No starter averaged five innings. So how are these teams going to get through? Like, I was looking at the Miami Marlins. They they were the team the Cardinals played last night, so we had the game on television. And I, 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 they're, I'm just not sure how they're going to get through a season. I mean, there's going to be somebody on the mound, but there's going to be some guys oh. that you don't know or have heard trying to get them through innings. That is where the Cardinals are going to win games this year. It's like it's going to be like a war of attrition to where they're throwing a lot of bullpen guys out, and it's going to be the secondary bullpen guys of other teams that the Cardinals can beat up on. That's what they did last year. So they may get shut down by your your, your top-end guys. A lot of teams do. The Scherzers, the Strasburgs, the very good pitchers. It's when you get into these bullpens, and the, and the Cardinals can throw Cabrera, Gant, mm-hmm. Ponce de Leon, Reyes and these guys that you're, there's not a significant drop off from their starters where I'm looking at other teams. I'm seeing a significant no. drop off. The point has been made over the last couple of years. And I think it's actually very accurate. Now you don't need a 26 man roster. You need a 35 man roster. It's incredible. And that's what the Dodgers have. That's what the Yankees have. Yep. You have guys that you can filter in in case. Well, and inevitably you're going to need them. So uh, you have to do that. I, I've said that time yep. and again, you've yep. got to go 30, 35 deep because yep. you're pitching. Have a great show with BK. Yep. We've got uh, one of the all time great basketball players in Mizzou history and NBA and a great analyst in John Sunvold will be our guest. Love it. Thank you. Thanks guys. Emily, great work as always. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thanks you too. Michelle, go get them tonight. Yeah, go, thank go, you. Go, go get them. I and I. Good luck. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show. Enjoy all the college basketball this weekend on 101 ESPN. And until Monday morning at 7, have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. 
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.